yeah, okay. Yeah, should okay. we should we roll then? Yeah, roll it. Woo! Opposing the, the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent. Well, we know who the hard left are, who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. The hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that's a hard left wing position. Hard left, left, the hard 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 left, Welcome to Real Politic. I am Jack. I'm joined today by Geraint and our long term associate, Farage's Fucked Face, FFF for short. And we are joined by uh, another very special guest uh, who we can introduce more in a bit, but just for now, it's uh, Stato, isn't it? It is Stato. I go by many names, but like, this is my nom de plume for tonight. <laughs> Most of us do. A lot of uh, Twitter bans in our respective histories. Um, but yeah, um, well, you know, welcome to Real Politic 2023, new look, shiny show uh, in which we reapply for the job of the biggest podcast in the world. And uh, let's face it, best. Yes, I I just uh, made a quote more egotistical than when it was originally spoken by Bono. So yeah, welcome <laughs> to the show, everyone. And um, yeah, we, today we're going to be talking about one of my pet passions, one of the things <laughs> that keeps me going in life. You know, something I'm a big expert on. Really, one of the foremost in the field uh, no i'm not talking about the music of you two uh, you'll have to follow my twitter for that although i don't know me and yair want to record later in the week so maybe i'll fucking bend his ear about uh, the fucking greatest uh <laughs> four lovable mop tops from dublin uh in that one um but no, no today we are talking about uh yeah my passion the, the um, possibly the thing of which I know most in the world. Um, it's just going to be really one of those episodes where I sort of talk at uh, Geraint and FFF, <laughs> sort of give them a piece of my mind, just kind of like fill them in on the details. Uh, yes, today we About are About talk- time we had one of those ones. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Something sorely missing from our show's output. But, um, yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, okay, I've got to tee myself up for the bit now. Ha ha ha, I lied! So, is that, did I get it, Grind? It'll do, it's close <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah, okay, I had actually... too well, the joke wouldn't land. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I had actually heard of that guy before, we'd, uh, before I watched the... Uh, Thing we're talking about today anyway uh but yeah actually uh no i don't know anything about uh 
professional wrestling <laughs> and Karine is going to be uh, taking over the kind of, um, you know, the, the organizational officiating kind of duties that I perform with such excellence on uh, the average episode uh, today. So um, over to you, Garine. Let's do this. <laughs> Thank you very much. I am today the, the Teddy Long of the show. I'm, I'm running it. And uh, four of us so can turn it into a, a tag team match at will. It's, long, it's all I tell going you what well. else is long. Uh, <laughs> I, again, I'm talking about my penis this time. No, before it was FFFs. I'm talking about FFFs penis. We didn't have Val Venus on this show, did we? That's, uh, that's well, a, an odd considering one. what he has been doing with his time over the last few years, uh, getting very into QAnon. Um, I... <laughs> he got banned for posting images of child, child sex abuse at one point. Yeah, he did. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I think he'd said, like, this is bad, attached to it or something. Have you heard about this? Have you heard? It's basically the equivalent of all those people who like type something really anti-Semitic and then go, I bet Ken Livingston thinks this. Yeah. 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 Watching him shaking my head so then I disagree with it. It's like if people just like wrote the foulest shit that they could fucking imagine in the world and just someone doing the most evil deeds expressing the most uh, just vile base opinions and we're just like, hey, yeah, Mike Gape said that. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine. Imagine. (laughs) So anyway, I've been on this show a good few years now. And I've been threatening since the start to to turn this podcast by stealth into a professional wrestling podcast. He's been threatening lots of uh, heavily choreographed acts of mock violence. <laughs> this is the culmination of my master plan. It's taken persistence. It's taken like close planning. It's taken quite a, a surprising amount of blackmail. Um, <laughs> got there in the end. The um, master plan. Yeah. A great Oasis song. We had a, a, a bit of a talk uh, about it. Um, we, obviously, FFF is quite the wrestling nerd as well, and uh, we long talked about getting friend of the show Stato uh, at Puro Podcast on Twitter, who you should all follow. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks for doing my plug for me. Yeah, you, you can do another one at the end as well. It's, it's <laughs> oh, rest, I, I you, I've never, got tons. You can never do enough promotion on this. <laughs> yeah, it's, a sort of, it's a dialectical wrestling yeah. podcast, isn't it? Yeah, you can, you can cut promos at will, brother. Uh, so we we had a bit of a think of various ideas, what we could get Jack to, to watch. And we, we settled in the end, uh, keeping it fairly topical because the Royal Rumble's coming out soon. Probably get this edited and released around the time of, the, of that Rumble. Um, yeah, and there was, we, we thought they're good for introducing someone to wrestling because you get about 30 ridiculous characters in, in one go. So we got him to watch... The 2004 Royal Rumble, which is um, a show from quite early in a little window of about maybe five or six months, where the WWE was was fairly good um, in in the middle of a a much longer period where it it wasn't, and they were really (laughs) struggling to get any purchase or or anything. Uh, Of the various ideas they threw against the wall, they uh, hit on a few good ones around here, but for reasons that will become apparent later in the show... 
it's not <laughs> out, out of their good periods, minor and major. It's not one they talk about much anymore. <laughs> uh, it's the, you will not hear them promoting how good the 2004 Royal Rumble was ever. Um, so we, we got them to watch the whole show, uh, with the the Royal Rumble itself as as the the last match. So we're going to sort of go through it bit by bit and and get Jack's opinion on so just the, the first wrestling show you've ever watched, Jack. Yeah, yeah, this is the yeah. first ever. Can I just fill you in now on, like, what my knowledge of wrestling is? Like, it it just be, in its please totality. Please do, it will become apparent anyway, but please, please do. <laughs> okay, so I'm first, I'm friends with you guys. That's, like, yeah. the core of a lot of it. That's how I've heard various names, seen various memes, especially Vince McMahon. Um, <laughs> there, there, there's a Mountain Goats album that I believe came out in 2015 called Beat the Champ that I quite like, and that includes songs about uh, it's a concept album about pro wrestling and it features songs about Chavo Guerrero and uh, various other uh, people. Maybe some other ones of them were in the Royal Rumble 2004. Can I, uh, um, can, can I point out there that the, the Chavo Guerrero that was about, you did watch him on screen in that pay-per-view, but he wasn't the one that was billed as Chavo Guerrero. It oh, was his, what? It was the, the old guy that was like in his corner. <laughs> That was Chavo Guerrero. Uh, I think known in John the WWE Dan- as Chavo Classic. <laughs> I see. I think John Daniel does kind of allude to that in the lyrics of that yeah. song. Uh, that I forget what it's called, but yeah, it's like Chavo Guerrero jumping off the top rope. Um, and then I've seen The Wrestler starring Mickey Rourke. Mm-hmm. A good film. A Bruce Springsteen song on the soundtrack. Um, I've heard the Bruce Springsteen song The Wrestler as well, that kind of um, leads on from that Um, I've seen the film MacGruber many times, (laughs) which stars a a bevy of uh, pro wrestlers Um, I think maybe one or two of them were in this maybe Yeah, and Jericho I I have listened to a number of episodes of his podcast I thought you were going to say you've listened to a few of his albums Someone No, I've listened to several episodes of the absurdly stupidly named Talk is Jericho (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and I've listened to the one with the interview with the uh, like I think the drummer of Leonard Skinner where he talked about like the plane crash where Heart, a load of members died and uh, I listen and and also Chris Jericho is good friends with uh, Duff McKagan of Guns N' Roses as, and has interviewed both he and Slash numerous times on his podcast Jack, for, about, I, I have... for about 15 years wrestling fans everywhere have been absolutely kicking off about books and interviews with, with Chris Jericho that they are, they want to hear about his opinions on the wrestling and he bangs on too much disproportionately <laughs> about the music. You are the only person on the planet that's like, look, shut up about some main event you were in in 2007, man. I just want to hear about what bands you've toured with. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've actually played at the same venue as Chris Jericho's band, like a week apart. I played, I, it was the Students' Union, I played with the Exeter University Jazz Orchestra one week before Fozzie played the same venue and I think we outdrew them. <laughs> what kind of music is his band? Sorry, oh, this is a rock hour. Shit, that's what it is. Do, 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 rock talk and real started politics. off as like sort of parody, sort of cock rock, uh, hair metal sort of thing, <laughs> and then it just sort of became like just his his, his dad rock project and stuff. You know, <laughs> some yeah, of it works well as wrestling entrance music, but that's a very different thing from like. 
being a good song in any other context. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Guns N' Roses, there was one bit of entrance music in the show that was like, da 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 da, da. I was like, oh shit, Josh Freeze, uh, the drummer who was briefly in Guns N' Roses in the late 90s, just fucking heard that on uh, WWE and went to Axl Rose like, hey Axl, I've written this riff. And Axl Rose was like, great, that's the title track of our forthcoming album, Chinese Democracy. <laughs> Just give me six years and it'll be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Professional have... wrestling in 2004, there's at least ten entrance themes on it that went... Duh, duh, duh. <laughs> 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 it used to have the other way around. What we do is they take popular rock songs and change them just oh, enough so they, they couldn't be sued. WCW yeah, well, in this so case, it's that, Guns yeah. N' Roses who did that and WWE were the, <laughs> the, 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 the uh, innovators, yeah. <laughs> the originators, the pioneers. So Okay. That's rock talk, anyway. <laughs> so this show has six matches on it, less than normal because the Royal Rumble is, is a lengthy one with 30 people in it. Uh, so the first professional wrestling match you ever watched was Evolution in this particular uh, match. That was Ric Flair and Batista versus oh, yeah. the Dudley Boys, Bubba and Devon, the, the classic lineup. Um, what did you make of that? Um, so Batista is—he's not Dave Batista, the actor. He, 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 he is. He is. is. He, I, I did ask if he yeah. was Dave Batista because I knew he had some kind of The Rock esque background. Yeah. Um, no, well, this is Batista about eighteen months into his wrestling career. What happened in that one? <laughs> no. It wasn't a particularly. Um... Sort of... It was a ta- it was a tables match. It like got changed to a tables match yeah. at like the last minute. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, where they're just smashing each other against the tables. Yeah, you yeah. Put, you put and... your opponent through the table to win. Yeah, that's the sort of match that the Dudleys in this one like. They go out and they like in. just like yeah. chaos matches with, with with tables and ladders and all this. Yeah. They like rip um the the like surfaces off the table in a, a heavily uh stagey manner yes. <laughs> uh, uh, that, that yeah that was a good fight actually i enjoyed that one and it's all coming back to me now uh and yeah yeah batista i guess is one of the wrestlers that yeah. i've heard of along with uh, chris benoit and the edge the thing is <laughs> the, yeah, the edge <laughs> yeah and, uh, another guy who has two very different careers yeah <laughs> Very good the looks d- in them as well. Wait, the is d- the wrestler of the edge bald? No. Uh, no. No, okay. No, well, he's okay. got long, luscious locks. The other edge is going to be like, bastard. Yeah, I I like, between the, the two edge... of them, you have the normal amount of hair for a person. The edge has his broken neck or some shit at this point. That's why he wasn't on this show, I think. Because okay. either side of it, they, they kept trying to make him a big star, and eventually they did. Uh, but. Not at this point. But at what cost? Batista's a weird one, really, for me, yeah. because like, I, I quite enjoyed him as a wrestler, especially in Evolution. He was he couldn't really do much in the whole in terms of the whole wrestling bit, but he was good as the muscle. But yeah. when I saw he was casting Guardians of the Galaxy, I was kind of confused because I've watched him wrestle for years and nothing about him had really led me to think, yeah, this guy's going to become not just a, a professional actor, but like quite a critically a one. acclaimed yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I thought like best case scenario, he'll sort of keep picking up work as a sort of budget The Rock, you know, and that would be 
quite an optimistic because you know how many how many wrestlers have tried to start acting careers and you'd think maybe from seeing them in the, in the wrestling like they've got a lot of charisma and that they they might succeed and they don't get anywhere near it you know like Stone Cold Steve Austin tried and failed to, to do an acting career. Oh, um, yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin, he's in that uh, Adam Sandler movie. Um, the Longest Yard. Longest Yard, <laughs> where uh, yeah, where Stone Cold does in that film repeatedly use the N-word with a hard R. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. Oh, no. I know, because I watched it about a couple of weeks ago. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, it's the only person to like go into works of fiction outside of WWE booking are actually like more racist <laughs> <laughs> like he's he probably like oh yeah I enjoyed working for Vince but he was too woke yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to know what you made of uh, Ric Flair Jack because is, is he someone you'd heard off before yes I had heard the name Ric Flair um again like Remind me what happened in his <laughs> appearance. So, so, in so he, he he was Batista's tag team partner. He was kind of the, oh, the crazy okay. old man guy, you know. It was basically oh yeah at this point. Let yeah, he, he's like one of like not just a a big star. He's one of the biggest stars in the history of wrestling. But at this point, mm. he was pretty fucking old, and his main role was he mostly worked as the manager of evolution really but then yeah. they decided to put him and batista in a tag team because they had one guy who was old but could wrestle and a one guy one guy who was young but couldn't wrestle so they thought it would kind of even out <laughs> so, yeah, at this point yeah. he'd worked old for about 10 years and then he wrestled for another 20 years just getting older <laughs> and older so the idea so, like, of evolution yeah, he's, he's was a, yeah, we need to talk about a Vic flair's last match with jack <laughs> oh fuck oh, no no that, what that happened, happened? Okay, have a guess, Jack. Did when he die? Was, no, when was, what year? Bear in mind, this is 2004, but he's very old. What year yeah. did Ric Flair's last match take place? I think, he was pushing, I think he was about 50 or pushing 50 in this match you yeah. saw him, just seen him in. Yeah. Like, I, was it surprisingly late? Was it like 2020? 2022. Oh, Lord. <laughs> like, <laughs> that so... is proper Mickey Rourke. You know, like oh, in the in the wrestling, yeah. literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what, what happened was the the WWE actually did a good retirement for it. They they sort of ended his career at that level really well. They did like a build up. He had his final match with Shawn Michaels, and there's a there's a gif you'll probably see at some point if you haven't already because we all overuse it like fuck. <laughs> it's like. Um, you know, basically, Shawn Mike they have a good match, and then Shawn Michaels ends up like basically putting him down like old Yeller, saying like "I'm sorry, I love you," and then kicking him in the head and pinning him, uh, like <laughs> tears in his eyes. And then the next night on Raw, they had like a big retirement ceremony, and they got out like everyone he'd ever feuded with, coming out and giving him a hug and all this. It was brilliant. <laughs> and then about six months late, you know, I think they kept him on as like an ambassador or a manager or something. And then like six months later, he was like, no, fuck this, I want to wrestle again. And, yeah, because like, he had several yeah. expensive divorces. Yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> oh, yeah. His, his gimmick that he like prances around in, in ridiculous flashy robes and, and uh, buys everything for everyone at the bar and chats up every single woman he ever meets, like... He very much lives that gimmick and has had about five or six marriages and, you know, several drink and drug problems over the years and legal yeah. problems and bad yeah. investments. Numerous accusations of sexual harassment as well. Yeah, yeah. You may yeah. be unsurprised oh, no. to know. Yeah. Oh. He, he, don't just, he don't just sort of get his dick out in front of women and be like, hey, I'm Ric Flair. 
and for like 20 <laughs> years everyone was like ha ha Ric Flair being Ric Flair and then like <laughs> everyone sort of looked at him in the cold light of day like that's not really on is it you know <laughs> most of these people aren't like wrestling fans having a laugh with the guy on the telly like they're just some like waitress in a bar or he's been in or something but um yeah, so he, he decided he didn't want to retire and he spent like the next like eight years or something just bouncing around all the shit promotions, uh just like doing whatever he can for money. And um then he had his, his big retirement match last year, uh, a few years after his, his last one, and everyone was like, This is a really bad idea, you might die <laughs> and like he did pass out at a point during the yeah, he, he did pass away. It was very, very uh, gory and uh, violent. No one should ever. You should never uh, listen to this <laughs> audio. Well, didn't, didn't like uh, his doctor tell him like you've got a pacemaker, you shouldn't wrestle, and he was like, I'm just gonna turn it off. Woo! <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like gave up all his medications, turned his pacemaker off, and then like almost died like eight times during the match. And now he said he wants to do another. One. <laughs> They'd already made it like a tag match and got a couple of younger guys in the match to, to sort of reduce the amount of work he has to do. Um, like the the medical reports before the match were like, uh, you know, Ric Flair's got clearance for the match, but apart from some concerns about his heart and his uh, his balance and his his uh, his, his, his skin and, and like a long laundry list of them. Like, He's okay. got three Stooges syndrome. Like, um, and his his tag partner as well for that match was his son-in-law. So, like, fuck it, I'll talk about pressure. I mean, do not like kill the in-laws. <laughs> yeah. So he he is. Presumably finally retired now, but I wouldn't be surprised if he tries it again with even worse results in a couple of years. He'll get married three more times, yeah. three more times, and need some more money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. he'll have some sort of legal situation he needs to pay for, or just fancy a new boat or something, you know? <laughs> again, uh, like just like putting this in uh, t- terms that I can like understand, like. I think it's interesting. Uh, I don't. I'm not saying that these two things are linked. That Noel Gallagher has announced his new out. Al- he announced his new album on like the same day that his divorce was announced. Is <laughs> 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 like, it's like oh, okay? Yeah. Got to get back in the game. It's been fun kicking it in the uh, using COVID as an excuse not to do anything. But <laughs> okay, back on the road playing yeah. the old war horses. There's probably a lot of parallels between creative people like that making decisions with particular timing and wrestlers doing the same <laughs> like yeah they're, they're all carnies at the end of the day yeah there so. was even an interview where he was like yeah and um i wouldn't be you know i'd never say never to like reforming oasis it's like you've said never loads of times it's like he's like and it would have to be a very uh specific set of circumstances it's like you're literally talking about the divorce <laughs> <laughs> literally t- okay anyway so sorry the, the next match then after this was another oh no wait we still got to talk about the dudley boys oh, oh yes 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 okay um, yeah, yeah yeah the how to how fucking hell how to explain the so, so like they're canonically they're they're brothers yeah. the, the, the black guy yeah. and the white guy and the really small guy spike dudley that was in the royal rumble match and, and looks like a sort of cartoon nerd and about five other guys in ecw who were either shit or died or both are these the guys who like the the narrate the the uh 
what are they called? The uh, talkers, commentators. Yes. Um, they were closer. They're like they were closer than many brothers. And then they cut to a clip where it's like John. To me, you were like a brother. <laughs> like, I love all that shit. Like the most on the nose, like amateur dramatics. By, by the way, I I just talking about the commentary. For some reason, I because I, I subscribe to the WWE Network. I mean, fuck knows why, but I do. And Same. yeah. For for some reason, when I turned on the 2004 Royal Rumble, the commentary was on Spanish in Spanish. Yeah. And I could not change it. Like the Spanish feed was in Spanish, and the English feed yeah. was also in Spanish. I, I got it to the point where if I turned it to English, it would. If I turned it to Spanish and then back to English, it would go to English for like five seconds and then go back to Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I same, looked it so... up, and that is a, a problem on some devices for like that particular show for years on the network. They just not bothered <laughs> fixing it. That's bizarre. Because <laughs> mugs like us pay them anyway. But I tried it on like another device I've got that has a WWE app on it, and it played fine with the, the, the proper commentary the whole way. But um, it was just for, like, we should probably say at some point for context, like, this was one of the eras in, in WWE where they had, like, artificial competition within WWE because WCW had died. So, like, they had Raw and SmackDown and they made them separate shows. You know, they had about half the wrestlers on, on Raw, half the wrestlers on SmackDown. So you had, like, different announced teams throughout the night. You had the Raw commentators and the SmackDown commentators and the a mix of both of them in, in the Rumble and obviously one of the things they were playing up in the Rumble as well was like which side's going to win like it was entirely false because they'd obviously swap people around mm-hmm. every every few months anyway but uh, you know <laughs> it's sort of mm-hmm. probably a bit of a weird one to get into first time and as soon as you're getting used to the commentators it changes <laughs> them for the next match <laughs> and like one of them's Jerry Lawler. <laughs> like, Ooh, yes. <laughs> uh, a man with, shall we say, yeah. some accusations. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, again, his gimmick is, is he a, a very horny, childlike man? Is his real life persona <laughs> is he's a very horny person that likes children? children. <laughs> or, yeah, um, allegedly. For Michael Jackson, yeah, the, the ambiguity is whether he likes people who are children or people who are, like stopped being children two months ago, sort of thing. <laughs> that's the most generous spin you can put on it, so I don't really care about legalities. Um, okay, so, so it's more like as much like Anthony Kiedis as kind of Michael Jackson. No, no, he wait, no, he fucks kids. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, oh, but, yeah. I, I think like probably. probably this is lyrics make more sense than or are more tolerable than a lot of whippity whippity boo whippity boo I'm a proud pedophile whippity boo 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 and this was your first show you watched there's so many cancelled people we've mentioned already we're on the first match <laughs> yeah I mean Bubba Ray Dudley like in any other context would be cancelled a million times over but he's just a massive prick with like loads of, re- yeah. loads of reactionary right wing opinions but none of them quite at like He's gone full glinner over them or whatever. So everyone's just like, oh, he's an arsehole. But in wrestling, that's like, fine. You know, that's, that's the default. <laughs> yeah. He shows up, he does his job. We don't care if he's a genuinely horrible person. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Dudley boys, they used to have a manager in ECW called Joel Gertner. 
And I've got some kids. We're going like, to see which like, ones make it through to the episode. Wait, hang on. I, I realised... You've gone 26 minutes without mentioning Joel Gertner. That's longer than you take on most non-wrestling episodes. <laughs> yeah, a, a Joel Gertner, a, a fat goateed man wearing a neck brace who came out in like one of these Hugh Hefner jackets calling himself, and I quote, the quintessential stud muffin. <laughs> I've got some here I'll read out there. Joel, <laughs> Joel, the man who is so big he can't help from hurting a Gertner. <laughs> Joel, bigger than better than the Titanic because only 400 women went down on the Titanic, Gertner. <laughs> Joel, put your lipstick on my dipstick, Gertner. <laughs> oh no. Joel, That's Anthony <laughs> Kiedis lyrics right there. Uh, Joel, point the direction you want my erection, Gertner. <laughs> Joel, harder than the tree that hits Sonny Bono, Gertner. <laughs> now, now they're making the music references. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah some of them. MMS me, I'm like milk, I do a body good. Uh, <laughs> Joel, that's, just, that's like, just like a movie, the more you play with it, the harder it gets. <laughs> I and I've got, I've got, I've got, I think the worst thing he ever said here was that he was hotter than a 15-year-old girl in a field hockey skirt. Oh, yeah, that's uh, just that's just straight yeah. up. <laughs> that, oh, that's no, him auditioning for Lola's job. Earlier on, I sent FFF a, a short voice note of me saying something from WW, from the Royal Rumble. I've forgotten what it is now, but I'm going to play it into the microphone. <laughs> That's completely... Again, again. Now you have to tell us what it is. I can't hear that. That sounds like a fucking mayhem album. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Uh, This match can only end when one member of one team is put through a table. (laughs) I mean, it delivers what it promises. Yeah, they're just explaining the rules. Yeah. I think um, that may have influenced something in Gatecast as well, where it's like the match can only end if someone's on fire. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a classic yeah, WWE stipulation. Yeah, once you or him are on fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of fire, I mean Eddie Guerrero obviously brings uh, that Latino heat. Yeah. Uh, that's not just me being racist there. That's <laughs> that was, it is in part. That no, that, no, that's one of his just. What, yeah, yeah, that's like the, the narrators keep being like, he's got that fiery Latin temper, you know, <laughs> that Latino yeah. heat. Well, you know, these people, they're yeah. almost not human, if you know what I'm saying. It's bizarre, actually. They do, they, there is almost like a kind of phrenological eugenicist thing going on in my host. They keep talking about genetics. There's one guy who they're like, I wouldn't even mention genetics in the same sentence as him, usually. <laughs> oh, also, yeah. in, in like, he doesn't have genetics. What? <laughs> also, so in, in WWE, it's canon that all Samoans have really hard heads, and if you try, <laughs> you fall over. Again, FFF took that for my games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, there's actually like another uh, Mexican wrestler before the Eddie Guerrero match who, like, for some, uh, yeah. well, I mean, they do a bit of stereotyping. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's nowhere near as bad as uh, what Guerrero gets. Yeah. Uh, so we had, we had the second match was Rey Mysterio versus Jamie Noble. Rey Mysterio, obviously, being the, the legendary uh, Luchador, who's still still quite young at this point, even though he'd been around for ages. Um, but the thing that stood out to me in this match, I mean, not seen it in a long, long time. 
obviously Jamie Noble, uh, who was a very good wrestler, who was had like a redneck gimmick, um, came out with his his girlfriend Nidia, who was blind. Oh my god! And they, they kind of didn't they didn't crazy. really they didn't really like explain in this show the, the context of that at all. So it's just like his <laughs> blind she wasn't blind Nidia. all the time. Yeah, Jack, how do you suppose? that Nidia went blind in, in WWE canon. Was she blinded by uh, another wrestler in a previous match? They hit her with a chair or something and knocked Ooh, her eyes the, out? The first You're close. Right. She, yeah. was, she was blinded by another wrestler in a match. Didn't hit her with a chair or, or any other foreign object. Uh, they do an acid attack. So, oh, actually... Basically, yeah. Oh, that's so closest, real. Closest. I was like, I so, didn't want to make that joke. That, you know, I felt bad saying that. You know, uh, in, in the Royal Rumble match itself, there was a guy called Tajiri, quite a, quite a small Japanese wrestler who basically pulls funny faces and kicks people in the head. Uh, <laughs> so he has... Um, he had a part of his gimmick. He wasn't... The, so, again, it's a kind of... It, Res- yeah, it's, it's, it's like a wrestling only stereotype, national stereotype yeah, yeah like, like the Samoans with the hard heads um, <laughs> Japanese bad guys breathe green poisonous mist into the faces of their, <laughs> of the faces of their rivals they'll often use that as like the finisher of the match you know the wrestler looks away they'll they'll breathe the mist in, in, the, in the enemy's eyes and then kick him or, or deliver a big move to him like while they're stunned, but like there's there's no real explanation as to like why in this case it blinded Nidia for about six months. Oh, that was because he used a special black mist. Yeah, different oh, colours of uh, poison spit. That's right. Yeah, different... yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. The black mist. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's like different colours of kryptonite, but like about wrestling and racist as hell. Yeah, yeah. Canonically, <laughs> the the green and red mist do different things yeah. in, in the canon. But, but, but so her eyes got better in a future instalment. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then I think they sacked her shortly afterwards because that was like, the only idea they could think of. But it's, yeah. it's but, so uh, funny. He like, They bring her out and they're just like, his yeah. blind girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just like, he's like walking her along and then she touches the leg of another wrestler and he's just like screaming at her. And the, <laughs> again, the, the, guys of the, the guys are like, oh, there he is, airing out his girlfriend in public. And the other guy is like, I don't know, I'd be pretty upset if she touched the leg of another guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't like, really love to do an abusive yeah. boyfriend gimmick. Yeah. Not always as a bad guy either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They once had two going on at the same time, but well, one was being treated as real, like it actually happened outside of wrestling. So, <laughs> a very confusing storyline. Again, Scott Steiner, who was in on this show, they had a feud that's from my memory, went on for like two fucking years or something obscene. It was just one of those bad feuds that they never end. But it was him and a guy called Test um, feuding over Stacey Keebler, who was like the hottest woman in, in the Federation at the time. And uh, the gimmick was one of them was a boyfriend and was starting to become abusive. So Scott Steiner was pissed off by this and beat the guy in matches and, and won her heart. And then he was abusive to her and Test was trying to ring her back. And it was just like... There was like, who am I supposed to be cheering for here? They're both horrible guns. They ended up teaming up over presumably how much they bonded over loving to be abusive to women. (laughs) Common grounds. Yeah, and Stacey Keebler, the woman in question, um, ended up in in real life uh, going out with George Clooney for a number of years. Mm. 
Oh, wow. Quite the upgrade from Big Papa Pump's got started, I will say. Did she not appear on, like, was it Dancing with the Stars or something yes. like that? Yeah, that's and nice. then WWE, like, immediately sacked her because she was getting, like, publicity that they couldn't take credit for, you know? Rather than bring her back as a bigger star and try and turn it into ratings for them, they're like, no, she's, she's doing her own thing. You're fired. <laughs> I mean... Well, like... Sorry. No, you say your bit. No, I was just I was just going to say like no, you you go on because I was just going to say like it's probably not really much we need to say about this match because <laughs> it's like three minutes long. Yeah, again, yeah, two two of the most talented guys on the card, and because they're the little guys, they give them a, like five minutes if they're lucky. That, that's kind of how it was like most of history in in the Fed, really. Um... Just before that, I think it might be when Batista is still on. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there's this really fun... I know I keep just quoting the fucking uh, commentators, but it's, it's like, that dude's a trip. It's like he's been talking to Mary Jane. Oh, Rob <laughs> Van Damme, yes, absolutely. That guy's a trip, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, like, basically, this guy... He had quite a multi-layered gimmick when he was in ECW in the 90s, which was like he was a confident, cocky guy. And his whole thing was like, I'm so good, I'm just going to be signed by WWF or WCW. So he would, instead of the extreme matches that they had in ECW, he would insist on wrestling like normal matches without weapons and stuff. So it was quite a like interesting character. And then when he moved to WWE, they made his character like, you're a pothead. Because yeah. he like legitimately <laughs> really into his weed, so like <laughs> his entire character. So can you be in WWE and like smoke weed and stuff? It's not like that. a straight edge that, kind that's of a, that's, a that's a that's a complicated <laughs> question because like technically you can. They're not going to sack you for it, but at times they've tested for it and they've tested for like synthetic weed as well. And people uh, like you'd think this would be the you think this would be the kind of sport, uh, and indeed it is a sport, a true sport, where where juicing would be like actively encouraged. I mean, well, no, 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 everything's Jack, so yeah, heightened. Yeah, Jack, this is going to take about three episodes here because uh, at times it, it has been like. Yeah, I think it depends like, on. Had WWE locker room doctors essentially that are like giving <laughs> giving prescriptions to anyone who asks. I think it it depends on your status as well, whether you can get away with doing this stuff, because the aforementioned big popper pump Scott Steiner, who, and you'll see him later in the show, he's in the Rumble, like obviously on all the roids in the world. And someone involved in the company said, you're going to have to take a piss test because we want to know if if you're taking anything. And he just pointed at Triple H and said, I'll take one when he takes one. And then they never asked him again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, the little guys or the guys on the way up that tend to, to suffer from that. But in a very roundabout way, um, <laughs> some of the some of the, the performers who starred in, in this show ended up influencing them, cracking down on all sorts of substances. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we well, so, have a period where like, a wrestler was dying every year or so. There oh was, yeah, there was a long yeah. period of that. Like when when I watched the '92 Rumble, which we were gonna do as well on this one, but didn't in the end. Um, I was gonna do a bit with like see if you can guess how many of the 30 people are still alive. Actually, that <laughs> that was in fairness. There was only eight deaths in that in this 30 man Rumble, and probably half of them were like you'd probably call them natural deaths, given how recent. No, they not were. 
Not counting deaths uh, that are done by. Yeah, people. we're not talking kill death ratio here. That's, again, <laughs> that's, that's one for later. Um, <laughs> that's one for later. But like, there's some rumbles in the late '80s or whatever. You watch them, and they'll have 30 wrestlers. About 20 of them will be big stars at the time, and you know, there's there's maybe five of them that are alive today, and like half the, the managers and, and the people on the rest of the cards and the commentators and that are all they all died young as well like there were points in the past where uh, <laughs> wrestling had real problems uh, with uh, the most recent one was probably around this era when, when a lot of people were abusing uh, pain pills basically painkillers like really abusing them to, to frightening levels as a, as a consequence of wrestling like 200 matches a year and, and stuff and, and that, that kind of rather level. morbidly takes us into the next match really <laughs> yes oh wait before that we've still got one question about Rey Mysterio for, Ed, for Jack oh, uh, Jack yes. Rey Mysterio and Eddie once had a ladder match can you guess what was at stake wait what the fuck is a ladder match so oh, a, la- okay. a ladder match is... is a match where there's usually a, a wrestling belt or the, the title or, or some other object like a contract or something like that Suspended above the ring, and you have to, yeah. you, have to you have to climb a ladder and, and retrieve the object. So essentially okay. you have to put your opponent down long enough to be able to climb the ladder and do it. And in okay. practice, they're quite sort of stunt-filled matches with like people doing moves off ladders onto people or like kicking ladders out from under them and all this. Um, yeah. But generally, yeah, it's it's grab something from the top of the ladder, you know, from from above the ring. So what what was the stipulation here? You know what what were they fighting for? Uh, I think this was about a year. Two thousand five. This was. Yeah, it was just maybe a year or two, a couple of years after after this show. Uh, um, um, a, a flag. No, they were both both Mexican, and they're both like long-term American residents. So there was a visa. No, that was something they probably would have done in WCW if that if that if that. Uh, well, they they did the a pinata on a pole match. They did a pinata on a pole match so, in yes. WCW. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I'm trying not to be racist here. It's actually not racist. <laughs> not racist. Okay, it's surprising. Not racist. <laughs> okay, it's okay, extremely right. poor taste, but it's not in the slightest bit racist. They're they're going for a woman. No, no. But a, a child. A, a child. Yes, 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 yes. An underage girl. No, no, no. So <laughs> not an underage girl, but you were right with a child. Yes. yes. This this was a match <laughs> for the custody of Dominic Mysterio, Rey Mysterio's <laughs> son, who is now <laughs> like fifteen years later. Dominic Mysterio is like an active wrestler on on the show. He's a he's, yeah. he's a large adult son now, but he was just yeah, he's fucking shit. They, Wait, who's got who got custody of him in the end? Uh, Ray did. Yeah, yeah like, Ray, Ray kept custody, but people <laughs> okay. because because wrestling fans are special. People have tracked through a spreadsheet like <laughs> as if it was a linear wrestling title, like who's <laughs> who would keep the the custody of Dominic? So like when Ray lost, you know, I don't know, six months later to Chris Jericho or something, right? Chris Jericho's got the custody now. And <laughs> tracked it for like twenty years. And, oh, uh, uh, that's actually my mate Pat who did that. Okay, there, there's a couple. There, there's a couple of different competing ones, and there's like there, there's beef so, over like 
do house shows count and stuff like this. We need but... to unify them. Yeah. <laughs> if, if the other but guy had, I, 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 think... had to like raise Mysterio's son as his own. Well, that's the thing. I think in storyline, he actually was Eddie's biological son. But, okay. like... <laughs> that, was, no, that, that was hinted at, I think, but they didn't come right out and say it. It was right, more like, okay. oh, he's a family friend. He's helped care for him. Uh, right, your right. uncle Eddie, you know? And of course, he was, because he was a bad guy at the time, he was playing up the sort of creepy uncle Eddie, not in a the funniest thing about it is like he he used to come out like eddie had these t-shirts made which said i'm your pappy and after he passed away <laughs> because, because that shirt was so like it was it was such an iconic design um like those became really popular after he died as like a tribute so they're paying tribute to eddie guerrero by commemorating a storyline in which he tried to steal another man's son <laughs> yeah so uh, a couple of things right Firstly, I hope we see the day. It's like again, I don't think Dominic Mysterio is particularly good, but I hope he sticks around long enough that we see the day where he gets the chance to fight on pay per view for the custody of himself. <laughs> that may be a title. I want to see some proper paradoxes going. The second thing as well, again in the in same vein of when when uh, Eddie Guerrero died out of the blue, terrible tragedy. He was about to fight for the title like a week later or something. And he was a really popular wrestler with, with all sorts of type of fans. Everyone was guided. And one of the first things WWE did is they put up a banner for a, a general sale on the WWE shop with a, a picture of Eddie Guerrero and the caption, Viva La Savings! Oh, <laughs> fucking hell, I didn't know that! It's this was like a week after he it. died. <laughs> and... What a business. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Obviously, they did some dodgy stuff after that as well with his memory. You know, they had um, Rey Mysterio, his, his old friend. Obviously, forget the fact they were fighting over custody of their son. Rey Mysterio, yeah. uh, you could say he uh, moves in Mysterio. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Mysterio's Mysterio's <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, Sharp was right. <laughs> no, they had they had Rey Mysterio like, uh, as well as Chavo, further down the card, like fighting to remember Eddie and, and like doing a couple of his moves along with their own ones and stuff and paying tribute to him. And then Randy Orton, who the bad guy feuding with Rey Mysterio, was like, "He's not up there. He's down there in hell." And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> He's downstairs. <laughs> This is literally a little yeah. bit, but this was, this was at a point where they had Eddie's uh, wife like signed to the company as well. Yeah, and this is like far from the worst thing they've done with a dead wrestler either. Oh, when, when you consider like Owen Hart and Brian Pillman, they've done, they've done much more disrespectful things. <sighs> yeah, Brian this, this Pillman, is like, yeah. So, so Brian Pillman, he was a really good wrestler who was probably too small to get like pushed as a big star. So he did a, a gimmick where he was like a loose cannon, really unpredictable. And he, he convinced his bosses at WCW to release him from his contract so he could go and, and, and like uh, keep the gimmick going and then eventually come back a bigger star to WCW. And he played them completely and he just went straight to WWF and he was like, you want to give me a contract for more money? But he was in a, a car crash and it like injured him really badly and he was never quite as good a wrestler again. So they were using him more as like your, uh, your loose cannon character without like good matches on the end of it. And he had various issues at the point and I think he had an undiagnosed heart condition as well. So he died suddenly. 
and it was like the day before a pay-per-view or the day of a pay-per-view or something or a, a raw i think yeah it was yeah it was yeah it was the day before they they probably found out on the day of the the live wwe raw that he died so they they obviously made an announcement on the show like sorry to say it was found like this you know terrible tribute to him uh, and, and later on the show they uh they rang up his semi-estranged wife and he had, you know, it was obviously like very audibly grieving and they were like so what happened you know <laughs> what 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 lessons does could kids today take from this <laughs> yeah, they literally like phoned up a grieving wife yeah. and just started trying to do an interview with her live on TV. Hours, hours after, hours after her husband the fact, died. Yeah. The, the, the good old fashioned death knock. That's the finest <laughs> journalistic <laughs> art form. But they, they used it in like, the same <laughs> slot on the show that they would usually have because this is when the company was doing quite badly as well or was coming off a period where it had been doing badly. They used to have like phone ins. It was like OJ Simpson trial. Do you think he's guilty or innocent? <laughs> Ring us premium rate phone number now. And they, they always did it in the same way as that. And and this was the last time that WWE would ever do anything dodgy involving a memorial show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I say about OJ Simpson is that uh, he was the very best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we can talk more about that uh, about that later yeah. in the, uh, the episode. The so, yeah, go on. Uh, the, the next match then was uh, was a good match. It was it was Eddie versus Chavo, the the, the Guerreros. Uh, they they'd, they'd had a, a fairly lengthy run as a successful tag team before that, and then they had split up after losing to the the Basham brothers. Which fair enough, that's a reason to split any team up. Yeah, the Basham brothers <laughs> turned. I think they turned into like a BDSM themed tag team. Yes, they did. Yes, they were they were they were bald men who loved bondage, and that's all. <laughs> that was ever developed. Yes, and they ever. and their man uh, their manager was a dominatrix who yes. was a, an African American woman called Linda Miles, and Lului gave her the name Shaniqua because they didn't think Linda was black enough. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Oh no! We say we say WWE like most of these decisions. The impression I've always got is they were made <laughs> personally Vince. by Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah. the, the very occasional one, like the minor one, might have been personally made by like Michael Hayes, who was like a, a, a racist with a long-term, um, <laughs> like so it, fairly senior it's, writing uh, it's, job. Is Vince McMahon sort of like the the David Miscavige uh, of <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, you've got it. You've got it. He, he is. He's like. He's like. Um, Two parts David Miscavige, one part like a comically racist old colonel from like the Reconstruction <laughs> era, um, who yeah. like, not just for his racist views, but like his views on workers' rights. Um, <laughs> he, he, he's a very very strange guy, and if you haven't, what you should absolutely do after this recording is read the Playboy interview with him from the late nineties. Yeah, okay. that, that will oh. give you the depth of like how fucked up a person Vince McMahon is. Yeah, yeah. Not even I... in, like here are the things he's done, just like the things he volunteers about himself and his life. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. If like, forget the stuff he's accused of doing. If if like, this, just based on the stuff he's admitted to, he should be in jail forever. <laughs> Crush leaves by himself of doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Google Vince McMahon crush leaves. Do Don't... not. Do not thank me later. <laughs> um, yeah. But probably back to the match before we yeah. dive any more down so, this incredibly pitch black rabbit hole. <laughs> so this was a, a grudge match between the Guerreros. Not the first one they'd, they'd had. Um, 
but it was it was always likely to be quite a good match because Eddie Guerrero was brilliant, Chavo was was pretty good and solid wrestler in, in his own right. Uh, what did you think of that one, Jack? You've, you've alluded to it a bit already with the um, uh, the, the, the gimmicks, uh, the the Latino Heat, which was like Eddie's main gimmick <laughs> before he was in the tag team. Uh. That's the main thing I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fair I'm, I, I, I'm not. I, I. I'm. I'm not learned enough to like critique yeah. the art form. I don't have like. I can't speak the idiom of wrestling. You know. <laughs> but I, I. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna keep trying. So yeah, I, I get it a, was I, a good one. I liked it. <laughs> mentioned no, I did before. actually enjoy. I did actually yeah. enjoy like all the fucking stupid throwing each other about the actual yeah. the, the wrestling and the drama. I yeah. enjoyed all of it. It was fun. Anyway, sorry. Good. Uh, so <laughs> I alluded to it briefly, but Chavo has is uh, Chavo Senior, uh, known in the WWE as Chavo Classic in his corner. Um, they they soon after made Chavo Classic the cruiserweight champion, and it is like in his sixties or whatever. It's like um, how there's Larry Mullen Jr. and Larry Mullen Classic. Yeah. <laughs> exactly like that, yeah. Um, That's why he has to have Junior, so no one confuses him with... Yeah. Cla- Chavo Guerrero is fine. <laughs> that's a thing isn't it that's, that's why they didn't call him Chavo Guerrero Jr. in the WWE is because Vince has a real complex about that because he's like Vince McMahon the second or third or something like that yeah he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. never wants to be referred to as like yeah, the third because Rey Mysterio was um, yeah. Rey Mysterio was Rey Mysterio Jr. in WCW yeah. as well so yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well I actually you found never out have anyone that... called Jr. in WWE apart from Chris Jericho using it as an insult well, I don't know what Vince's relationship with his father is like. Well, maybe uh, unlike Larry Mullen Jr., he would have been very happy to see some exorbitant tax bills accidentally find their way to his father's house when he became successful. That is apparently why Larry Mullen Jr. has Jr., I found that out the other day. I was oh, like, wow. yo, yo. And then I made up some fake news about how Nick Mullen from Come Town is his son. <laughs> it, 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 that didn't catch on, really. <laughs> Eddie Guerrero was my, my absolute guy at this time. Like 2003, 2004 is probably, it's not the peak of my wrestling fandom, but it's certainly the peak of my Dulu fandom. Because like me and my best friend from school, we were watching all of this shit. We were watching yep. the Raws and Smackdowns and all of the pay-per-views. And Eddie was like, he was a, a really charismatic guy, yeah. but we we never saw him as he, he was never presented as like a, a top guy. This guy's he was about a, to be the champion anytime soon, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah which, which yeah. he was. He was a tag team wrestler, and then he won the the next month after this show. Yeah. He becomes the WWE champion, and it's I think genuinely one of the most cathartic moments in my wrestling fandom when he wins the title because like yeah. you just never thought that it would happen, and yeah. I mean. The fact that he, he dies the next year, that's really tragic. But like I'm really glad that someone so talented got his moment got as, his as like a top, top guy. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you know, even after he was champion, they used him as a more more of a top guy more often in things like that Rey Mysterio feud than he than he would have been before. But I think Yeah, he... so uh, Eddie became a top guy and Chavo Guerrero got his new gimmick. Oh this will maybe be one to, to have a pause for a few minutes here because I've found the clip that we need Jack to watch right <laughs> oh, now. Oh, okay. fucking okay. hell. Jack, I'm going to DM you this link on Twitter. 
on Twitter, right? It okay. is a five-minute video. I want you to watch the whole thing, okay? <laughs> but if you okay. get if you get bored with the entrance, if you skip to about two minutes ten, okay? I. Um, but the, I you won't get bored with the end. Like the entrance itself is, he's working his his little heart out with this gimmick. Like you can't accuse him of, of half assing it. Okay. Hang on a sec. Yeah. All right, all right. I'm putting this on now. Right, gonna go I'm, get get, I'm gonna get a cup of tea then. Uh, yeah. While, while you're doing that. All right, we'll okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm watching this. I'll do a bit of a live commentary. Well, he's certainly bald. So he's like, he's like into, he's white, he's a wasp. <laughs> yeah, he, he's now white. He's, he is actually Mexican, but they're just like, he's yeah, I'm just going a white guy. I mean, not just any white guy. <laughs> what? He said, I agree with the white is white, Rift. White is bright. What the fuck am I watching? Just like you, I'm sure his handicap is golf. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I, I'd completely forgotten about this gimmick. Um, it didn't last very long. Well, the, the reason they canned it was because Eddie Guerrero fucking died. I think it would have. Um... Yeah, that was a two tragedy of his death. But we didn't see all of this. <laughs> it looks like every new metal singer from the like 2003. <laughs> the reason stuff like this exists really is because. WWF got really popular in like 1999, 2000 by tapping into what the cultural zeitgeist was at the time, which was like trash TV, like Jerry Springer and South Park and and stuff like that. But like not just that is because the way the shows were written, they were genuinely exciting. They had loads of big characters and you never knew what kind of wacky thing would happen next. It was genuinely like well-written TV. And in the early 2000s, like a lot of the writers changed and they weren't so good at creating new stars anymore more and telling the stories so they just double down on the really offensive stuff <laughs> yeah you have to remember like every time Goldust was good was the time Goldust what about say Kogan white in my pants <laughs> <laughs> has he done his catchphrase yet not yet I don't think oh god if he doesn't do it I'll tell you what it is because it's a doozy <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's dropping the racist stuff about Chavo, who is him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm constantly at war with the man I was two days ago. Who was a clown and a coward. You know, uh, as as a white supremacist, I always respect an ethnic minority who can send up their own uh, vile <laughs> race. That's uh, I always you know wins me over. Well, I believe it was Franz Fanon who wrote about the Comprador class, and I think it's a subtle critique of, of that <laughs> of, of that national bourgeoisie that Vince McMahon is trying to get across. White values. <laughs> Isn't this... Uh, what, uh, didn't Phil Anselmo of Pantera say something quite similar on stage? Yes, yes, he did. <laughs> it's not the worst thing to have happened on stage involving a member of Pantera, to be fair. <laughs> so bad <laughs> like, I remember like this was part of um, me and if my mate if it's not white it's not right that yeah is... that is his catchphrase <laughs> that is... I, 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 oh, I, I, yeah. this, this was part of a compilation I watched with my mate one to just like a 15 minute YouTube video it was just called something like W. Louise most racist moments <laughs> I'm surprised it was only 15 minutes <laughs> yeah that's a really yeah, 
It's sorry like... for sorry for cutting across you guys a bunch of times there. I couldn't hear what you were saying oh, no, really that's, against. That's uh, fine. Right. No, I, I'm, I'm sure there's some like satin tango length mega cut of all of the really sketchy stuff that. <laughs> White is right, Edgar. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Where is you two come? <laughs> what? Oh, okay, it's just my phone. Cool. I just hit play by accident. <laughs> sorry. Uh, that's. The yeah that 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 is amongst the sketchiest gimmicks that Delulue has ever done, and that is like a really high bar to clear. It's, yeah, it's messed up. Yeah, so <laughs> they like the they gave up on the gimmick fairly quickly, but the only no, no, it's because Eddie Guerrero died. Yeah, like that that that's okay, the yeah. reason. But they they, yeah. they, they they've kind of the next week he was out as they, they, so sideline. So Shabo had, had to like then, carry the but... torch. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The only thing they really did that you don't get from that first promo with him is they, they called up one of their promising sort of youngsters from the development system and they made him where, where normally they'd get someone as like their sidekick or their enforcer uh, oh yeah they made yeah. Uh, him the guy who later went on to be Dolph Ziggler who is still signed to WWE today um, his first gimmick was Kerwin White's caddy <laughs> <Basis> caddy. <laughs> I like how he's even wearing the fucking gloves. Like, who was yeah, it? Like, the yeah. proper boring driving gloves Tory, Frank Cabot. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's basically the American <laughs> equivalent of Stephen Pollard. It was a yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> like, there, there, there was actually a, a very brief promo before that one. Um, that wasn't quite his debut, but um, it's much the same thing. But he, he literally is like. Yeah, I've not quite had the success I should have had, uh, and the reason is the Hispanics. <laughs> massive proud boo in the background. Like, they weren't going for it at <laughs> all. Hell. Um, yeah, they. Uh, this the, there's been interviews about it later with with Javo Guerrero, um, and he's kind of intimated it was a case of if you refuse this gimmick, they will sack you at the first opportunity. So he sort of thought, well, I might as well try and like make it a so bad it's good entertaining thing um yeah but vince, he tried yeah like it was very much vince's uh baby from from how he tells it and and um there's other stuff from a similar era so there was a guy called carlito um who came through <laughs> shortly after this um puerto rican uh, wrestler and he um had a um he had a gimmick where he was like a sort of laid-back beach guy who was obsessed with being cool, but he was actually mean as well. And like really deep character. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was obsessed with apples, right? So he was, <laughs> he, he was like a sort of uh, healthier version of Mike Gapes. Um, he was obsessed with apples. He would like satisfy he'd like munch on an apple satisfied after he beat someone or he'd spit it spit apple in their face to to, to own them and stuff um but there was uh, vince gave him like guidance backstage on how to do his gimmick better that i can't even really say on, on this show like oh yeah i know what you i i know what you mean basically in 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 short he asked him to act more hispanic he, he didn't asked he? Him, we want you to racial slur it up a bit more yeah that's that's <laughs> um, that's right yeah 
Carlito had his catchphrase was "I spit in the face of people who don't want to be called," which is probably the most unwieldy catchphrase in the history of wrestling. Also, the, the implication that, like, if you're trying to be cool but you're shit at it, he's okay with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you don't want to be cool at all, if you feel you're above it, you're yeah, gonna get so spat on. I spit in the face of people trying to be cool by criticizing the band you two. <laughs> yeah, at the same time though, we'll get a thing up a Japanese wrestler and call him Hirohito and have him be oh, a Japanese fuck. patriot who held that. <laughs> oh, oh, fuck, yes. Yeah, was that the, um, the, Kenzo Suzuki? Yeah, Kenzo yeah, Suzuki, yeah. yeah. They were also going to bring up a guy called uh, John Heidenreich, who... Um, oh, and oh, there was, what, uh, to be fair, like, the, the actual gimmick he what did What they did get, with him was pretty bad, like... It was pretty bad. He was a guy who did poetry and tried, tried to fuck the announcer, uh, the he, he Michael rated, Cole, the announcer he, he backstage. Michael Cole, like, on yeah, yeah, he did, like, he did do that, shit. but, like, yeah, like... The, the original idea, one of the writers... So this, this actually... One of the writers, his idea was that um, Heidenreich would be... You know how, like, Captain America is frozen in the Second World War and then he's, he's thawed out and he, he's, he's Captain America? Basically that... But instead of being Captain America, Heidenreich was a Nazi super soldier. (laughs) (laughs) And he was going to be managed by someone you'll see later in the show, Paul Heyman, who is Jewish. And when the writer suggested this, Vince McMahon just looked at him silently and walked out the room. Now, if your gimmick is too racist for Vince McMahon... (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, a, a couple of extra bits of context along these lines as well. So WCW, who were up until a couple of years before this, the the biggest rivals to WWF, um, they had a similar gaff uh, earlier in the. In the oh God! 90s, yes, I know where you're they going. Had big, yeah. um, they had a big, they had a big multi man like cage match. It was like eight versus eight, crazy big fuck up match. A couple of big stars in it. A couple of good wrestlers who weren't going to get to do anything because there were so many men in the match, it was just be chaos. And a, f- a few sort of just people they wanted to promote or whatever they could do for numbers. And they, they put in like a couple of just big intimidating guys that hadn't been on TV before just to sort of, here's a threat, how is Hulk Hogan going to beat these scary guys? They, they do that sort of thing a lot. And one of them, they decided they were going to call him the final solution. Mm. And then some, someone, I think, says someone, but probably literally everyone that had the tiniest <laughs> bit of like historical knowledge uh, in that whole uh, federation was just like, don't call him that, don't call him that. So they, they changed it like the last minute, <laughs> having already done most of the promo material, they changed it to like, was it the ultimate, the ultimate solution? The ultimate solution. That's actually what... That's actually quite a good segue into the next match because um, Hardcore Holly, one of the gentlemen involved in it, um, originally his finisher was called the Holly Coast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There was a few weeks where they would just be like, he hits the Holly Coast, and then like, no, let's, let's drop that. <laughs> let's give yeah. it a new name. Um, we, we should talk about that, um, the Dulului title match, uh, actually, because yeah. like, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one. Yeah. So you had Brock Lesnar, um, who was a big star then is a big star now but shortly after this match he sort of went away for a long time um and hardcore holly as well uh jack when when, when you saw this match and the, the build-up to it and everything did you think they were on a sort of level footing wait which one so brock, brock lesnar against hardcore holly the, um... oh was this where they were throwing each other and the, the tables and 
No, um, no, no. It's the, I, it's the one where I remember this. So one. Brock, Brock is a big scary guy, like really sort of. Oh yeah, they were talking the a lot. Guy. The commentators um, were talking a lot about genetics in this. Probably, one. yeah. Anytime Ron <laughs> is not on camera, genetics. they start talking yes, about yes. genetics a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the story is that hardcore, like Brock Lesnar, had broken hardcore Holly's neck um, the previous <laughs> year, and like that, that wasn't a storyline. Like that legitimately that happened, happened in the match. Yeah. Yeah, Hardcore Holly is, like, notoriously a massive cunt. And, He's a very, uh, very bitter man, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, comment, the commentators kept saying stuff like, guy's got a head like a farm animal. It's unbelievable. Which is like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's I mean, just like not me on Mike right? Gates. <laughs> and uh, look at the size of that genetic freak. Or I yeah. think the genetic freak, which yeah. is also yeah. like me or Mike Gates. <laughs> but like Hardcore Holly had like, because Brock Lesnar was like, even though they really wanted him to be a big star really quick, he was still new and Hardcore Holly is like, I'm going to haze the rookie and teach them not to mess with the senior. So he did what is called sandbagging, where basically if someone's trying to get you up to do a, a slam on you, you just like go dead weight. So yeah. they can't lift you up. And because Brock Lesnar is a genetic freak, he just like got Hardcore Holly up part of the way. Fuck you, I'm, I'm just like you anyway and doing the Yeah, move. you're going yeah. down anyway. I just broke his neck. Hardcore <laughs> <laughs> so, Holly fucked around and found out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I managed to so, build up this match. They had a hardcore Holly beat Big Show clean. Jesus. <laughs> so people do actually sometimes get seriously hurt in WWE. Oh, yeah. As I understand yeah. it, you, you, you generally in the main, you build up a lot of minor injuries over yes. time, yeah. which, yeah. In, yeah. Which, which, which ultimately cause you to wither and die uh, prematurely. Yeah, like it, it does happen. That's more what they do to deal with the injuries. But yeah. Apart from <laughs> yes. uh, Ric Flair obviously still going strong. Yeah. yeah. He, he was never a sort of um, big physique guy. So I guess he's just been lucky to, to avoid injuries uh, too badly. And uh, it, Yeah, the worst injury he probably had was in a plane crash. Yeah, that, that, okay. that was <laughs> with, with yeah, yeah. There, there was a big asterisk on my last comment there. He, did he like break his back really badly? He broke his back in the plane crash in nineteen seventy-five. Yeah. yeah, I mean injuries happen in wrestling matches. I went to a show once where I went on my own and I got talking to this couple who'd never been to the wrestling floor. So basically, like yeah. you, Jack, I was having to explain literally everything to them. And, there was, and I'm I, sorry. I, we had exactly the same conversation where they were like, you know do they get hurt? And I was like, yeah. they, they know how to fall. Like, you know, um, yeah. uh, but sometimes injuries do happen. And there was one match where one of the wrestlers was selling her knee and, uh, the, and they were like, Oh, is she, is she hurt? And I was like, no, no, that's the story. Like the, 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 the bad, you know, the bad wrestler is doing loads of moves to the knee because she hurt it yeah. in the past. So it's part of the story. And they were like, Oh, okay. And then the next match, one of the wrestlers did a dive like right in front of us and just fucking smacked on the ground. <laughs> and, and they were like, fuck, is she all right? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. And then they rolled her back in the ring and immediately went to the finish. I was like, yeah, that's what, that one's real. <laughs> <laughs> Later found out she'd broken a collarbone. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. So one of the guys broke his neck, but yeah, yeah. So that he broke his neck in a previous match, so they thought, right, we need a, an opponent for for Brock and 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 lots of our top guys. We want him in the Rumble match, so let's have oh. this guy come back for revenge. You know, um, when they said, I I remember them saying he's back after five years after breaking his neck. It wasn't five and years. I was like... It was about it was about a year. <laughs> but oh, yeah, so I, yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, I, but I was like. Is that true? Did he actually? Oh yeah, no, that that is legit. But like the the thing about this match is that 
the thing about Hardcore Holly is he was never a top guy. No. Like, never yeah. even close to being... Well, he was, in his, own, he was in his own head. There'd be a couple of points where he was, like, a popular mid-card guy when the, the whole company was doing well and it sort of lifted up anyone who was on TV regularly. But he was never, ever, ever someone that people would tune in specifically to watch or buy a show for or that you'd even consider putting in a main event. Yeah, this was fucking weird. And, like, Brock Lesnar loses the title to Eddie Guerrero the next month. So this is actually his last successful defense <laughs> yeah. of the title. I think it is against this, like, literal, like, you know, mid-card for life, just, just literally just a guy. I wonder Just if they did it partially to, to make the Guerrero win more of a surprise. Because when they booked that match, Eddie against Brock, you'd think, oh, that'll be a really good match. But obviously, Eddie's not going to win. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I thought at the at the time. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Jack, what do you think of this match? Because I, I thought it was really shit. <laughs> yeah, oh, it uh, was this the one where it was like, these hideous, massive freaks are... Uh, uh, Pounding yes, they seven would, it shades would, out of each other. Probably would yeah. have been that one, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah um, <laughs> they were very big. Um, yeah, I don't... <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure, to be yeah, honest. It, it wasn't a very exciting match, to be honest. It, 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 it couldn't expect you to have too much to... Yeah. No, the best way to describe a hardcore Holly is he's like a covenant member of the Ringo Star All-Star Band. <laughs> <laughs> that, that tier, is, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, in from Men at Work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. guitarist from Men at Work. He, he, he played on one yeah. tour in the Ringo Star Band where they had loads of really famous people in the band, and he thinks as a result of that that he is now on their level. Yeah, I mean, if 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 I knew my match had only got been allotted six minutes, I personally would not have long stretches of the match where they're just lying on the mat and like one of them's like doing doing the cuddle on the on the other one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then the 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 last match before uh, the rumble was um, Triple H versus Shawn Michaels, um, a last man standing match. Bloody, very these two have been feuding on and off for about two years at this point, or eighteen months since uh, Shawn Michaels came back. He'd been retired for about five years through back injuries again. Uh, back injuries, and, and, and yeah, genuine <laughs> back injuries, but also lots of personal demons. Um, they would book him as like a commissioner or a manager and stuff like that. And he'd, did, come, did he'd, he possibly... he'd come back and show up in no state to perform, so they'd send him away again for another eight or nine months. Until did then. he possibly develop a, a certain fondness for certain uh, medicines that assist with back injuries? I don't, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know too many specifics <laughs> about exactly what he was doing, but I, I, I think. Yeah, that, that's most likely. But um, yeah, let's just what, say he like started in the eighties, yeah. so but, <laughs> he uh, was around, well used to. What uh, was around two thousand and two, he got a different addiction, an addiction that allowed him to come back, an addiction to Jesus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so wow. he went if, if, if you believe the stories, he went from being like famously uh, sort of conniving politicking cunt backstage <laughs> to being like the nicest, most generous man alive. I think really he just toned it down a fair bit and was still quite devious. But yeah, I think they had the context of Fugue Shawn Michaels to work against. So against yeah. Fugue Shawn Michaels, he was a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like Shawn Michaels 
being a bit of a devious backstage guy is kind of evident in this because and again this is according to hardcore holly's autobiography which you should perhaps not take as gospel um but <laughs> according to hardcore holly the match with Brock lesnar was meant to go like twice as long but then triple h and Shawn michaels decided actually we want our match to be really long so they just like nicked the time off the previous match and, and uh, put it on this one because this, this one is four times the length of the previous of the yeah. other title match these days, they just make the whole show four hours long or five oh, hours long. Um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, to be fair, if you're going to have one of the matches short one of the matches long, they got it the right way around because this one was actually good. <laughs> I think at yeah, the yeah. time, I would have been weirdly not asked with this because everyone was sick of Triple H at this point because he'd had a long, long period of like hogging the title and there was a feeling that he would only lose it to his mates as well. Which includes Shawn Michaels, so there was a bit of the time of like, who cares really? They'll probably have a good match, but you know there should be other guys in there. Whereas going back to it now, years after the fact, I, I really enjoyed this one. They beat the shit out of each other, bled all over the place, and then it was a good match. Oh, is this where their faces were all just covered in yes. blood? Yeah, yeah, that was sad. Yeah, we good. call it the Crimson so, Mask in wrestling. Yeah. A, a, a couple <laughs> yeah. of years after this, probably about 2007 or something like that. The WWE went PG, and uh, oh. there, there was no bleeding, or you'd occasionally get the accidental bleeding, and they'd, they'd sort of try and avoid putting the cameras on it as much as possible. Shit, but I was like, at, at this point, they'd, they'd do this often in, in like main event matches and stuff. Um, <laughs> I was like, did some fucking stagehand just come on and like pour like a bit of fake blood? No, no, no. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> what, what they generally do, Jack, is they, they conceal a tiny razor somewhere about their person. And at some point when they're, oh, yeah. they're down hurt, you know, they're writhing in pain or covering themselves up or something, they'll um, they'll basically cut themselves with, with practice. They know to do it like lightly, but enough to get the blood going. Like, wow, I remember know, Mickey Rourke doing usually. that. Yeah. The wrestler, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah, you can actually tell in this match if if you know what to look for, and you've you're as yeah. big of a fucking nerd with no life as me, and you've watched enough wrestling to know when this is happening. You can actually tell when Shawn Michaels uh, blades himself because the the bit where he dives off the ropes and goes splat through the table where the commentators sit, he goes like face down. You can kind of see him yeah. getting the blade out, and when he stands <laughs> back up, he's despite the fact I don't think his head actually made contact with anything, he's just pissing blood. <laughs> A real, I think it was those two guys where they're beating the shit out of each other. They're like doing these really exaggerated punches. It's kind of like, kind of like a silent film. Uh, <laughs> but like the lack of like connecting, it, it reminded me more than anything of a much more recent fi- film, which is that sequence in uh, Martin Scorsese's Great the Irishman, where a clearly <laughs> 75-year-old Robert De Niro is uh, sort of uh, limp limply uh kicking uh sort of curb stomping a guy but it's like in reality at the rate he was going you just get like a light scratch <laughs> yeah okay so you've basically seen rick flair's last match you, you don't need to... <laughs> yeah rick flair yeah. was known throughout his career for uh bleeding up a storm um there's some some pretty notorious bloodbaths around this time in, in WWE as well those uh Vince would do it himself he was like literally CEO of a billion dollar company and he would like fucking bleed gallons on live pay-per-view the other one is there was a two-on-one match um I think it was around 2005 between 
The Undertaker, who I don't think he's on this show. He's in a sense, but we might get to that. Um, he's teased, I, but he's not. Yeah, he's teased. <laughs> Do you mean like, the literal, like, the Grim Reaper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the Undertaker versus Randy Orton, who you'll also see in this show, and his father, like, playing the Chavo classic role, yes. Cowboy Bob Orton. And Cowboy Bob Orton, again, he was one of these old-school wrestlers from the 70s and 80s who bled a lot. And so he bladed himself in this match against The Undertaker. Oh, sure. Anyway, lo- long story short... Yeah, Yes, it turned out he had hepatitis and hadn't oh, told anyone. Jesus, I was going to ask actually, did, yeah. did, are there any cases of like the cutting going really wrong? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, there, yeah. So there's there's two there's two to mention there. I think there was uh, a, a, an old guy from the territorial days called Abdullah the Butcher, uh, and it's long <laughs> rumoured that he had hepatitis. And more he, more used to cutting other people up. He was <laughs> yes. He was fake. Well, you look at his forehead and you see how much he bladed in himself. Oh, um, it's so oh yeah. Like one of his tricks is he'll put coins in the scars in his forehead. Yeah. Oh my god. But, I'm gonna so find this, this guy was, was known for. He was known for bloody death matches and that way before that sort of thing was it was in fashion you know he was the guy you'd book specifically to have that sort of match uh, around the world and it turned out he had like hepatitis for 20 years or something oh god um, that was a pretty bad one the Eddie Guerrero one from yeah, um, that, that was a bad one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ju- Judgment Day 2004, where he got twatted in the head with a steel chair, did the blading, oh, and sorry. he did it a bit too deep, and it's just yeah. fucking pissing out of his head. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> dangerous. But the other one I was going to mention was uh, again, don't Google this, Jack. In ECW, the extreme promotion that was like a sort of oh god, yeah, cool, small third promotion in the in the wars in in the late nineties. They had a lot of death matches, they had a lot of hardcore matches and, and extreme matches and all this. Um, something called the Mass Transit Incident. Basically, a fat lad who was a big wrestling fan turned up to one of their shows and blagged his way into a match. They were like looking for someone for a mixed tag because someone had pulled out injured or something, or, not, or no show. And he was like, yeah, I, I trained with this guy and this guy, you know, I... Uh, I've not had many matches yet, but I'm a trained wrestler. <laughs> but um, he was actually just some guy. He was just some guy. guy. <laughs> he was. What, he was just what they did, team, yeah. specifically, so, that, so he blagged his way into this match, and the, uh, was it a tag team match? But the guy, yeah. the guy or one of the guys he was against was a guy called New Jack, who <laughs> is essentially a psychopath like he is uh, he was apparently you don't know how much of it is myth with this guy but he claims to have been like a uh, essentially a bounty hunter for, for years before he was a wrestler and, <laughs> and, and brags about having killed people and this sort of thing and, and he, also he did literally try to kill someone once live during a match yes yes yeah. yes he threw him off a scaffold yeah <laughs> later on he had a match with a pensioner uh, like one of the oldest active wrestlers called gypsy joe and just like beat the fucking shit out of him for like about half yeah, an hour. With, yeah, with a baseball bat. Could have killed him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so he, so he, he, he like... Could he use baseball bats yeah. in wrestling? Oh, yeah. I guess he could use chairs. He can, he can use but... anything in hardcore matches. They, they, in ECW, they would literally, like, someone brought a kitchen sink to the match to hand to the wrestlers to use. <laughs> Just uh, use a gun. Be yeah. like, hey, man, come on. No, honestly. There's, 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 all fair in love and there's, war. There's a, there's a famous clip where one of the wrestlers asks the crowd for a chair, knowing someone will chuck him a steel chair to use in the match, and they just rain down chairs in the ring, like hundreds of steel <laughs> chairs burying the competitors. <laughs> Um, but but like because sort of be, because this like mass transit like yeah. this this 
guy was just a rando. Yeah. He had never bladed before. Like he got New Jack to do it because he, he was the wrestler. New Jack to do it. New After Jack was off New Jack backstage. New Jack was pissed because this guy had been a bit rude to him, and he'd obviously he was getting the the gist that this guy's blagged his way in. He's he's not the wrestler he claims to be. So basically, almost killed him. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he severed two arteries in his forehead. And uh, here's, here's, the, here's the quote that New Jack said over the house mic after the match. He shouted, I don't care if the motherfucker dies. He's white. I don't like white people. I don't like people from Boston. I'm the wrong N-word to fuck with. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's, like, it's, that's so ballsy, not just like attacking all white people, but specifically the city of Boston. <laughs> He's yeah. going to get like firebombs <laughs> through his window. That was his gimmick. Like, that was his gimmick. He... Um... In, in, in another promotion, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, what was what was the O.J. Simpson joke? He, we all... Yeah, he he said like um he said he said something like shout out to my boy O.J. Two down, baby. <laughs> and this this it was a very white part of America, and it was controversial having like an angry black tag team in at the time. And then he cut that promo and fucking nuclear heat, you know. Yeah, like one time he just came to a ring and he had a, like a white baby doll hanging from a noose. Yeah. They would play like New Jack City throughout his matches, like as his matches were going on. Also, this tag team were the original way they debuted was also really racist because um, the, Jim Jim Cornette, the guy who who owned Smoky Mountain Wrestling, who has had some opinions on people who aren't white over the years, um, he decided their their heel character, like their villainous trait, was he was going to try and satirize affirmative action. So he had these guys demand that instead of needing a count of three to win the match, they should be able to win with a two count. <laughs> Wrestling's sake. fucked up, man. It's yeah. so sake, bad. Man. I think these guys might have sent me at some point a video of like the racist wrestler going off against the the facing off against the uh, new Jack. Yeah, Possibly. like I'm sure that existed. It's been it's something it's something to do with that. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> his entrance music was "Natural Born Killers" by Ice Cube and Dr. Dre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it would play throughout the entire match Ooh. as he was just twatting people with like I don't know stop signs and baking trays and shit. And <laughs> <laughs> white white uh, effigies of white children being hanged. Yeah, also also not a nice guy, um, new oh. new Jack. I mean, tri- oh, Triple H has got like. Um, famous for having iron crosses all over his um <laughs> his gear as well but no it's cool like really motorhead it's cool yeah. yeah actually this is a really this is probably i really love my metal this is probably a really cringe confession evolution's entrance theme is my favorite motorhead song oh, <laughs> I, I i did notice the motorhead yeah. i was like oh i actually recognize this uh it's distinctive voice yeah triple h is big mates with lemmy so we just had... had three different Motorhead songs as themes of his at different points. Yeah, he had the he evolution get... theme that you had heard on this one. He had uh, it's time to play the game as his most long running one, and then he had like King of Kings, which he had like he had multiple entrance themes at one point, <laughs> and he just like played whatever one he fancied for the match he was coming out for. <laughs> yeah, they were all they were just all Motorhead like, yeah. but like this. Um, the thing about this Triple H Shawn Michaels match is like I I did. I think this is actually a really good one for Jack to watch because, like, you talked about all of the, like, the really exaggerated movements and the punches and all this stuff and then then bleeding everywhere. This is basically, like, the archetypal layout of how they tell a story in, like, a main event WWE match. It's the main event style, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. So it's actually really typical. um, 
Stone Cold Steve Austin, a few months after he got like really popular, he didn't break his neck, did he? But he suffered a, a neck injury uh, that slowed him down. So that's when they switched to this, like, firstly out of necessity, so they could still keep him on, on top without him being obviously losing a step. But basically, yeah, you get your two of your top guys and have them brawl around the arena and uh, usually put someone through the announce table at some point and <laughs> bleed all over the place. And um, Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this is kind of... Generally worked. There were a lot of periods where... The overall product was pretty shit, but you'd still probably see a decent match there in, in the main event if there was two remotely competent guys in it. I, I quite I was ready to like I I'm I'm always I always hate a last man standing match. So like for the uninitiated viewer uh, listeners, last man standing is like it's like a, a ten count in boxing. So like uh, if you can't answer the ten count, then you lose. And this one ended in a draw because they both couldn't answer the ten count. This match went twenty four minutes. Yeah. I always hate like a draw in a match that goes this long. I actually quite like this, and I was getting ready to hate it because the thing about Triple H and Shawn Michaels is. It's always dicey when mates wrestle each other, especially mates with a lot of backstage pulling power, because they have the stroke with Vince McMahon and all the bosses to do exactly the kind of match they want and to wrestle for how long they want. And so a lot of their matches can be extremely melodramatic, self-indulgent, sort of self-indulgent yeah. and about at least 10 minutes longer than they need to be basically like your average dream theater song and like there's a 47 minute hell in a cell match they do which is just fucking interminable so i was getting ready to dislike this i actually thought this was great i had a good time <laughs> yeah so following this and with the blood still staining the ring for the remainder of the event uh, still staining the mattress we moved on to the uh to the main event the royal rumble match itself oh, well- well, there's a bit before that, actually. There's a little well, segment. We're not going to pass over the segment yeah. from the, the DM Jackson. No, 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 absolutely not. I'm getting done. <laughs> so, so usually what they do and what they started to do here is they have Howard Finkel, the old ring announcer, come out and explain the rules of the Royal Rumble. You know, 30, oh, this bit. 30 men, two, two start in the ring. One comes out every two minutes. <laughs> the last man standing wins, and you, you eliminate people by chucking them over the top rope. And as soon as he starts to... Um... There should be a wrestler yeah. called Andrew 30 Man. Who <laughs> participates in the Royal Rumble, uh, but in an artisanal manner. He's watched exactly one wrestling show and he's already fantasy booking. It is a disease. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so uh, pretty much immediately in, after this, the the general managers of both Raw and SmackDown come out. So Bischoff and then Paul Heyman, I think, in that order, mm. and they obviously have a verbal altercation and, and then get into a fight with each other and it's always entertaining seeing two people who, who can't fight and that the crowd hate <laughs> having a fight you know um and um i'll uh, i'll use jack's description of, of what happens next here. yeah 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 really um, yeah just fill everyone in so he was well, he was watching this he put it a bit in in the group there hang on a sec lol the managers are wrestling some bald man has just showed up on one of those small vehicles. <laughs> I forgot what they were called. So I still have, yeah. I can't remember now what they're called. Uh, all-terrain vehicle, I think. Yeah, like an ATV. Yeah. So the, I never would have got that. That bald man, for anyone not familiar with this era of wrestling, is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, probably well, tied, I even name. Probably you? tied with Hulk Hogan as the most famous wrestler of all time. Um, <laughs> and 
yeah, so this this was a, a period where he couldn't wrestle for medical reasons, and it was not likely he'd ever wrestle again. He he did in practice like eighteen years later, like uh, he's <laughs> one a, one match that was like a terrible, base. A, a terrible case of baldness. A terrible yeah. case of baldness, <laughs> baldness of, of the baldness of the, the neck and the vertebrae. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the real baldness was like a, an early warning of that, but he couldn't wrestle, yeah, but. but he was the, the most popular guy, and the other most popular guy they had, The Rock, had, had fucked off to Hollywood and would just come back for the very, very occasional match at this point. So they right. want, they desperately wanted to keep him on TV, um, but he, they didn't want to make him like the general manager because he was too much of a good guy. You don't get that attention of like the the bad guy booking matches and this sort of thing. So they had him as like the raw sheriff. Just as a guy to like antagonize Eric Bischoff and drive around in his ATV and sort of kick ass and take names without having to actually wrestle a match or or like dominate the show. So you get a lot of segments like this, but when this was one done well, I think it just comes out. Two people the crowd don't like. He comes out, stunners them both, enjoys yeah. a beer, leaves, <laughs> and that's but basically wait, how they right. use him for the next twenty years. <laughs> There, there was more of my reaction. Was there? You, oh, you but... didn't read all of it. Hang on. I, I, Let me just... I, I was asking, the, I was asking the serious questions. Right. Hang on. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> managers of wrestling. Some ball managers showed up on one of those small vehicles. Is that Benoit? Don't <laughs> call Chris Benoit. Keep going. I know most of them by name, but not a sight. Wait, Benoit has hair. Well, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, keep that's the one. Yeah, Benoit has hair. Uh, I know his name, just not that he was a bald. Who can blame me for automatically assuming the bald man was the child murderer? <laughs> ben, ben, yeah, no, I already did that. He's got a head like it a was farm a, animal. It was after that you said the head like a farm animal, so that was probably about someone yeah. in the Rumble match rather than yeah. Brock Lesnar, yeah. who, who does have a head like a farm animal. Um, probably, yeah. So, yeah, I'm trying to figure out who that might have been about, but... Um, yeah, so after that, the match finally starts. Uh, so starting in the ring, number one and two were, were Chris Benoit and Randy Orton. Uh, yeah. Benoit at the time had the big underdog thing where Paul Heyman had tried to like screw him out of being allowed to enter the Rumble, and had then made sure he came in at number one, which obviously with with twenty nine other men to come in is is not the number you want to draw. Um, and Randy Orton at that point was probably pushed as being pushed as like the the best young wrestler in in like they were they were going for Cena as well but they I think at that point they thought Randy Orton was the number one guy. Yeah uh, was this around time that Randy Orton was shitting in people's bags. I think <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't the point where people knew about it if he was but I think basically the two things that fucked up what would have been his mega push were he was crap as a good guy after a good long run as the the bad guy in Evolution and as, like, the legend killer. Um, he was really crap as a bad guy, in that, a good guy in that first title run. And then it was around that time he just kept being an arsehole backstage. And he was drinking a lot and he was doing stupid shit, like, um, like shitting in people's gym bags and stuff to, if you didn't like him as a hazing thing. And, like, a, a couple of the, the, the women... Like they didn't take women's wrestling seriously at this point. They would just hire 
fitness models that the the head of personnel fancied. Um, but obviously, it's still not a particularly nice environment for these people to, to be in. And people like him would just basically haze them until they quit. So they like lost a couple of people purely because of him being a cunt to them and probably had to pay him off quite a lot of money to keep quiet about it as well. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. No wonder they, they kept him as a heel for like the first 10 years of his career most of the time. Yeah, apparently he's matured since then, but yeah, he was well being an arsehole at the time. Yeah, yeah he's, he's like come out in favour of, of Black Lives Matter. Um, which... <laughs> Which is you know, fair, fair, fair play because I, I don't let's yeah. just say that hasn't always been his stance. No, no, I, you know, it wasn't that long ago. I thought he was quite sort of mostly quietly, but quite sort of this guy's going to go all right, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, those two started, and uh, I've got the list here of the entrants, so we'll go through them as, yes, as we please. go. So number three was Mark Henry. Uh, at this point. Mark Henry, usually billed as the world's strongest man, they signed him in... Like the Scott Walker song. Like the Scott... <laughs> Don't you know? I would have loved to see a Mark Henry run with Scott Walker entrance music. <laughs> that, that would be... I mean, that Scott Walker song would be mental because it's so beautiful, yeah. just as, as entrance music. Oh, if he'd have walked on to, like... Late period, Scott Walker. That would have been terrifying. No, I, 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 specific, I specifically want to see like um, sort of critically acclaimed balladier Scott Scott Walker from the late sixties <laughs> doing entrance music. I want to see people coming out to like Plastic Palace people and stuff. You know? <laughs> there was there was a guy on the Scottish Indies called Jackie Polo, and his entrance theme was Jackie by Scott Walker. Oh wow! Nice. <laughs> nice. That is wild, actually. So this this guy they'd signed him in. I think late 95 or early 96, but he was like a, a top power lifter and they, um, he was entering the 1996 Atlanta Olympics and the WWE were convinced he was going to win a medal and if they signed him and billed him as like the strongest man, like an old strongman gimmick, it would make him a lot of money. And two things happened. One, he did badly in the Olympics. He came like seventh or eighth or something and didn't even come close to a medal. And two, he didn't really have like a, a natural affinity for wrestling. Some people who come to pro wrestling late pick it up really quickly. Most take a while, but are showing progress. And then his was very slow. But they'd given him like a 10-year contract on a big wage. <laughs> so what they did after the first couple of fail pushes was they kept giving him like bad or ridiculous gimmicks or embarrassing stuff to do and say. Uh, reportedly in, in the hope that he would just sort of quit and they could agree to like tear up the contract at the end of the month and save him a lot of money and that. Yeah. And he just never did. So at this point, <laughs> would, at this point, as I work it out, he's about eight years into his 10-year mega contract and he's still at this point not very good at all, right? But yeah. the thing is, eventually, he didn't get great or anything, but he did figure it out. They actually re-signed him after his 10 years. I guess he must have shown just enough towards the end of that to be like, we'll sign him on a lower contract. And he ended up actually having like a, a title run where it was a combination of him figuring out how to just focus on being like the big, mean, strong guy that, that dominates people and WWE figuring out how to book him like that and hide his weaknesses as well. But he actually had quite a good little run uh, where he was like, this is just convincing sort of 
intimidating guy you don't fuck with and it's like yeah but before that his most famous storyline was he had <laughs> sex with an old woman and she gave birth to a hand <laughs> yeah and then like then like 10 years later they brought out like a a full-size hand with a person inside it it's like oh you're all grown up that's fucking surreal like, yeah yeah but... he's he's his gimmick was sexual chocolate, and he was like a um, a, like a ladies Barry man. White, Barry White knockoff music. Uh, it wasn't actually Barry White, but it was like that that vibe. Um, and he he, he had a, like a, but the only time in the first like eight years or so of his career he was entertaining was just him and D'Lo being like just goofy as hell. Um, he had like a weird charisma to him. <laughs> he just did, pretty crap at it but it was it was entertaining somehow but a lot of it is not dated well and no <laughs> uh, general ultimately the gimmick was just like he is a very horny man <laughs> <laughs> hey it's been a tried and tested gimmick for many people throughout history um do you want to know which wrestler in the rumble uh, I, I most resonated with me please please i would have to say Ernest the Cat Miller. Yes, 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 yes. A proper fucking, like, bumbling Jeffrey Tambor slash David Cross kind of oddball, you know? (laughs) I fucking fucking loved, like, uh, but he he showed up, like, fucking, you know, like, just dancing around, didn't do any wrestling and just fucked off again. Yeah, he's... His origin story in real life, he was... So Eric Bischoff, one of the managers who was fighting just before the Royal Rumble, Ernest Miller was Eric Bischoff's son's karate teacher. Uh, and Eric <laughs> Bischoff was at the time and, in charge of WCW, yeah. And that's yeah. not his only uh, familial link, because as I understand it, it's Gatecast <laughs> Cannon, but he's like Mr. Richard Miller's uncle or something. <laughs> my my, my favourite moment, because I, I, like I say, I had the Spanish commentary on, which I couldn't understand uh, hardly any of, but there's a really funny moment where Ernest, everyone's down in the ring, like, and Ernest the Cat Miller's music hits, and you just hear one of the Spanish commentators go, Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the commentators kept just like taking the piss out of him, yeah. and after a couple of minutes, they were just like, "Oh fuck off!" <laughs> like, <laughs> um, is he called the cat because he sort of like pounces onto the stage? Uh, was Wasn't just... he like originally called the cat because we had some Mortal Kombat knockoff yeah, characters? Yeah, he had a martial arts gimmick to start with in WCW, and that I think is where the cat came from. But um, okay. basically, his his gimmick towards the end of WCW as well is he was kind of like the the sort of smooth talking funky guy but he would all, he was always like booked as like, a bit of a dipshit even when he was a good guy he was like sort of <laughs> charming idiot you know and yeah that's the thing like very David Cross <laughs> like yeah. Tobias yeah. Funk his so WWE run was weird because they they brought him in out of nowhere you know he was not someone when WCW folded he was not one of the people that anyone was like right they should sign him for the WWE now and they did a couple of years later. I think they had him briefly doing commentary um, at a time when they were trying out loads of commentators on their B shows. And Vince, I think, just must have watched some old tapes of him and been like, "Yes, 
I want a guy dancing badly to folk music. <laughs> That's the specific gimmick I want. So they, they had a couple of weeks of build-up, like, Ernest the Cat Miller's come in. And then they had a few weeks of him just coming out and doing stuff like that. You know, he'd come out with his um, <laughs> his, his little manager, which was just a guy they'd brought from developmental, and they sacked afterwards. Um, <laughs> I can't remember his name or anything, but they'd come out and the guy would announce him. He'd come out and dance, and that would be it. Uh, and then, you know, like a month or two of this, and then he got sacked. They just like just didn't work him by. Um, but my, my the favorite, theme my... tune uh, that they use for it, the the sort of cod funk, somebody called my mama. Um, Vince loves that song, if anything, even more than the idea of, of Ernest the Cat Miller, because they've reused <laughs> it for an entirely different character uh, who, who just come out and do goofy dances for ages, uh, and then went really, really, really right wing, and is now a Fox News <laughs> pundit, and got, yes, got sacked from the cast of uh, what's that wrestling show on Netflix? Uh, Glow. Glow. Oh, got sacked. Yeah. Got sacked from Glow between seasons one and two because he kept like. Allegedly, uh, someone was sat for this. None of them have named him, and he was the one that didn't show up in series two, where, where people like Johnny Nitro did. He was allegedly like sexually harassing the entire cast. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just a notorious cunt. Like, um, of shit. The best Ernest Miller moment is when he was in WCW and yes. they did a, a storyline where he was claiming to be mates with James Brown, and like his uh, yeah. was basically, <laughs> yeah, it's basically a James Brown knockoff. Yeah. And so they, they teased like, um, and then he came out on the pay-per-view event mm-hmm. and said, like, I'm, I'm made to James Brown, he's here, James Brown is here tonight. And then James Brown actually did come out and they did a bit, but, like, WCW had paid James Brown, like, a stupid amount of money to do this, like, $25,000 or something, and they, they just didn't, didn't advertise that James Brown was going to be there. And they didn't even, the next night on Nitro, they weren't like, hey, James Brown showed up, here's a one-minute clip of it, look how these famous celebrities we got to our show. They just didn't mention it ever again. It's like... James yeah, Brown was probably WCW a bigger draw than any wrestler they had at that point yeah. in, the, in their career. Yeah, because at WCW, they got in a Master P and paid him a shitload of money. <laughs> uh, and he didn't do anything. He'd like maybe like turn up in an entrance or something, but they paid him about half a million. Well, they they, they tried to get his posse over as like a faction uh, to promote one of his uh, one of his roadies or one of his crews, a guy called Swole. Um, oh yeah, who'd had like some really basic wrestling training. And the idea was, I think, to try and get him over as a star. But just the crowd turned on it because it was mostly a, a sort of southern Atlanta, Georgia <laughs> wrestling crowd. And the, the idea they had to try and promote these rappers as a cool new faction was to have them feud with a lot of the, um, the older school white wrestlers on the roster who they gave a country music gimmick. So it was like country, ver- <laughs> country versus rap. And there, there's, like, there's a kind of... Entertaining, the, the like, two so genres that, yeah. that fucking lame people say they hate. Yeah. But these specific lame people that watch WCW, they they only hate one of them, and it's it's not country. <laughs> so they had, they had um, like Kurt Hennig, who was famous previously for being the character Mr. Perfect, and was a, a really talented guy at his best. They had him just like fronting this goofy song that was like I hate rap. And of course, <laughs> the idea was to get them over as bad guys as heels, but the crowd loved it. And they, were like, they were like, "Like, get it, get this released! I want to buy this song. This is brilliant." Like, a, a real Borat yeah. throw the Jew down the well kind of. Moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, checked, I've just looked it up. Yes, yeah, Swall was his cousin, and Master P was paid two hundred thousand per appearance. 
<laughs> that, that Edge guy should have got the Edge to do his theme, because let's be real, you two can be bought. <laughs> and Edge did perfectly fine for otherwise shit songs that work really well as entrance music. Thank you very much. He had two of the all-time greats. What? Wait, um, which one? There was a Rob Zombie one, and then there was one by like the band of all the people that used to be in Creed, but they ditched their cut singer. Oh, Alter, Alter, Alter Bridge. Bridge. Yeah, 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 Alter Bridge, yeah. That's and it's like, it's, it's not a good awful. song, but it's like perfectly engineered to work well as like wrestling entrance music, so people go mental when it hits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. and, then and then their singer uh, now sings in Slash's solo band, and Slash is friends with uh, Hang on, so, so Chris Jericho. So it Slash, after all these the... years, has found a frontman who's a bigger cunt than Axl Rose. <laughs> no, no, oh, no, 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 sorry. The, the singer from Alter Bridge is in Slash's Oh, band. right. Yeah, I, thought, yeah, yeah. No, not, I thought you meant Scott fucking Scott Sapp. Sapp. <laughs> no, it's just, God, la, 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 God. No, I, I only get that. Take that from Bono. That's, that's so, right. Other guys... Scott Stapp. Other guys we had in this Royal Rumble, we had Tajiri, who we mentioned earlier. He didn't use the mist in this Rumble, did he? But he was one of my favourite guys at this time, because he, he had loads of... Wait, hang on, this has just belatedly hit me. Uh, Scott Stapp, when I hear him, I'm more like, Scott, stop. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> okay, you kept go right, continue. You <laughs> should have mackled less. <laughs> oh. Yeah, then the next guy was Bradshaw, so this is a good pivot to talking about the fact that this was an era of wrestling that was like when the Iraq war was going on and the background Yes, yes, it. yes, the tribute so... to our troops. In fact, just for the billionth time to shoehorn <laughs> you two into this, this very much reminded me of a show I was listening to from U2's Vertigo oh, tour from around the same time, around the same time of this Royal Rumble and Bono was like, oh, right. I want to dedicate well, yeah. this song to the brave boys and girls of the American military and they did the fucking same thing in this. The war on terror. Please tell great. me the song in question was like Sunday Bloody Sunday. This is a set of instructions for what to do to the Middle East. Uh, it, it was it was the best U two song, The Saints Are Coming, featuring Green Day. <laughs> oh, so Bradshaw at this point was I think just becoming like a, an occasional Fox News financial analyst. He was one of these guys that had been around like the WWE for ages and had never really been over. He'd had a tag team with Ron Simmons called the APA, who was sort of popular, but every so often they'd try and push him on his own as like a mean cowboy guy and it would never work. Um, so at this point he was sort of going nowhere. A few months later they actually managed to, to, to make him uh, a, a bit of a star, but just by sort of playing himself as a, as a sort of right-wing capitalist cunt. <laughs> but at this point, he was probably most notable like for like wrestling fans on the internet at the time for having an insanely right-wing WWE.com column where he just <laughs> ran and rave every couple of weeks about all these fucking traitors and Frenchmen that didn't want us to go to war. You know, what? You know, God, they, they must have been the kids that got pushed around at school and they, 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 hate, uh, they hate people being strong. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he sort of... I think in the end, again, the WWE, an extremely right-wing... Uh, jingoistic uh, organization were like had to have a word with him and pull his column and stuff. Um, 
and then you know maybe a year after this he got them in some serious shit and actually oh yeah no sorry it wasn't Fox News it was a, a more legitimate American news station who then CNBC sacked him. it was yeah yeah who then sacked, who then sacked him because at a WWE house show in Germany. He was like on the apron in a tag match while his tag partner was in the ring, and he decided to like goose step up and down around the ring. Oh no! Um, Whilst doing the salute. And obviously, <laughs> yeah. oh no! Obviously, in Germany, that's not like something bad you do to get the crowd to boo you. That is something that's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> that's something that can get you in serious, serious shit. So they didn't, they didn't like arrest him and throw him in jail or anything because. These days, if you do a fucking Nazi salute and seek Heil walk around and express fascist views in Germany, they will arrest you. He and the WWE had to give apologies, and it got him sacked from CNBC and then immediately hired by Fox. Uh, (laughs) Nazi salute, you say? This sounds like our kind of guy. (laughs) (laughs) But his apology, even at the time, was like very much a sort of, I was playing a heel. I'm very sorry if you were offended by that. Like, yeah, it's not the fact you were playing a bad guy and being a dickhead that they argue with. It's that you were breaking German law, you stupid <laughs> cunt. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Bradshaw, he then later came back as a commentator where he went through the usual WWE sort of standard of being quite entertaining as a commentator for about three months. And, and then, then became a head film critic for The Guardian. Then, <laughs> well, he became absolutely insufferable, so you, you're almost there, yeah. Um, basically, <laughs> anyone who's a commentator on the WWE has Vince McMahon yelling at them in, through a headset the entire time. <laughs> so it either turns them into an extremely formulaic, boring commentator, like shilling constantly, or it just like breaks them as a person. <laughs> so he became absolutely insufferable and he was one that was notorious for like backstage hazing and bullying and stuff like that again people have quit because of him um, he had another commentator quit on him in, in 2017 because he was like bullying him about tweeting about winning an award he was like oh, are you gay or something you'd be happy to win an award from the fans <laughs> um, he was that sort of person he um so, yeah, at one point they had a, a commentator called Joey Styles who'd come, from, oh, yeah. who'd come from ECW. And he was quite a little nerdy guy who was sort of renowned as like a good commentator. Um, and they, they sent the two of them out, I think it was to one of the Iraq shows, one of the tribute to the troops that they do every year. And he was giving his commentator Joey Styles shit and just doing the usual sort of constant low-level bullying that he does. And Joey Styles, half his size, never a wrestler himself, just like knocked him out with one punch. <laughs> yeah, it was like one in a million, but thank God it was. Great yeah. song. My Guns N' Roses fans are not right. Joey Styles also like... Also Joey Styles, like, there's not a happy ending here because Joey Styles himself either became or outed himself as a massive right-wing cunt yeah. in the years he, he, before. He'd just be tweeting about climate change not being real and Barack <laughs> Hussein Obama. <laughs> yeah, this was a guy who for like 20 years and had every internet fan being like, yeah, I love Joey Styles, great guy, you know, really knows his stuff, got his head screwed on and that. And then like <laughs> five minutes exposure to Twitter and you're like, ah, no. Yeah. <laughs> but Joe's not even the most right-wing person in this football. We'll get yeah. to him. So next, next we had Rhino. There's not too much to say about him. He was on the outs with the WWE at this point. Um, quite an entertaining guy, but they don't give him much to do here. Yeah, um, there's not that many funny stories yeah. about Rhino. 
Matt. Well, there is one actually. I've um, he he went to a company called TNA later in his career, and one of the other wrestlers, a guy called James Storm, decided they would play a prank on Rhino. So um, James Storm's brother was a state trooper, so they arranged to play a prank where James Storm's brother would pull them over in his in his state trooper car, and then they did a like a little bit where James Storm like pretended to knock his brother out. And he was like, oh god! So the the idea would be like Rhino would freak out. It's like, oh my god, I, we've punched a cop! Like, what's going to happen? And instead of freaking out, Rhino just immediately ran into the woods. I've never heard that one before. That's fucking brilliant. It must have been like the most convincing punch ever thrown by a pro wrestler. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, oh fuck, Matt Hardy was the next guy. Matt Hardy next, yeah, yeah. So this was. A, you guys we... carry on while I just run to the loop. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. This was a Beyond. weird time for him because it was like coming to the end of his sort of V1 mid card gimmick, but it was before all the fallout where basically oh, his, his long term girlfriend. Before we, yeah, before he said he wanted right, Edge to edge. get by a car, or yeah, like that, and just completely ruined his comeback. He needed, he needed his career, so but yeah, so. Obviously, Lita treated on him with Edge. The fans at the time were like, fuck Edge, fuck Lita. We've got sympathy for Matt Hardy. He's been screwed over here. And Matt Hardy was melting down about it. But, you know, to a point in the immediate uh, aftermath, you can sort of understand that. You know, he's, he's obviously gutted. And, you know, you maybe think it was a bit harsh that WWE fired him rather than suspended him or something like that. They brought him back because the fans wanted to see it so much. And... It didn't really work. Like, yeah, like in his they, first they didn't have back, good he matches. just ruined Eddie Heats. Yeah. And then I think like in the first match, Edge just yeah. beat him easily. Yeah, a couple of times of him like running out of the crowd and attacking Edge, mm. that got a big pop. That was well done. But yeah, as soon as he was on mic, it died. And the matches weren't good or, or particularly competitive. So that was the end of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, Matt, Matt had a, a weird... A few years before he, you know, finally came back, he used to do some strange videos on YouTube where he did seem genuinely deranged. Yeah, the one where he's just eating grapes in a restaurant and uh, <laughs> and can we wait till Jack gets back before we discuss Scott Steiner? Because I want to, I want to yes, yeah, tell yeah. the story about the verbal debate on Raw about the Iraq yes, War. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was that was one of the all-time great moments. Uh, like... There's so many good stories about Scott Steiner. Was yeah. there a time like a Terry Taylor? came to him and told him he had to lose a match and Scott Simon just beat him up. <laughs> I actually, Sarah and I went to um, a one-man show. It was an, an evening with Scott Steiner at, oh. um, at the the garage in uh, Islington. And um, <laughs> we, we were just like, oh, they, they're, they're doing a one-man show with Scott Steiner. It's like, this is either going to be the greatest thing ever or, or a train wreck. And it was both. Like, it was yes. uh, like he 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 called he called he referred to Triple H as a cunt in like the second minute of the show. <laughs> um, so that was really good. Uh, are, are you back, Jack? No. Saw his saw his sound go. Um, yeah, no, it was um, it was it was it was it was quite uh, quite entertaining. Scott Steiner, like he he told a story about like when he went to North Korea and uh, and shit like that and. Um, like de- definitely the sort of like loud mouth roid guy who would yeah. get himself like 20 years hard labor in a Juche prison camp. 
back now. I know, do you think, like, North Koreans would be able to take him down? Because they're only little guys. So how many little North Koreans do you think it would take to take down a fully (laughs) voided-up angry Scott Steiner? (laughs) But, like, Scott Scott Steiner was... um... I I, I can't say for certain they haven't got their own Scott Steiner. They just haven't released (laughs) him to the world yet. (laughs) Let's not get onto wrestling in North Korea, because, again, this isn't... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, again, (laughs) for hours. That's Um, a whole other show. So we're on yes. to Scott Steiner, number nine, Big Papa uh, Punk, the, probably yeah. the guy they were calling the genetic freak specifically. Yes. I don't know about <laughs> the, the head comment, but genetic yeah. freak, that was actually one of his like regular nicknames. Basically, he was <laughs> yeah. a guy, he'd been a popular tag team wrestler for a while, and then he turned into like the ultimate steroid guy, as opposed to just a mild steroid guy. And he was quite entertaining in, in late WCW. Uh, but basically, his body kind of fell apart a few months before the WWE signed him, so he like couldn't have good matches anymore. Like people were hyped for him when he came in and they built up a big match for him with Triple H and then they they were like booing the match after about five minutes and that, that was it then really. <laughs> he was just sort of wasting away in, in the mid card for the rest of his time there. But um yeah, the archetypal Royd guy, there's there's a lot of good stories about him. Um Yeah, yeah I mean but- Oh, sorry, I was going to say, like, it was the time in WCW he uh, came to the ring with a live tiger. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the tiger killed Rey Mysterio backstage. Yeah, yeah, because Rey, Rey, Rey Mysterio had turned up for the show in this gear, which was zebra print. <laughs> <laughs> and the tiger's handler was like, you've got to get him out of here right now. God, um, brilliant. <laughs> my my favourite uh, my favourite Scott Steiner bit uh, of this era is like <laughs> yeah by this point like his foot was absolutely fucked he didn't have I think any matches that were actually good in, in oh. indeed he had a, a pair of matches with Triple H at the start of 2003 which are notorious as some of the shittiest wrestling matches of all time but um, in 2003 he uh, Jack prepare yourself for this him and a guy called Christopher Nowinski um, had live on Monday Night Raw a verbal debate about whether the US should invade Iraq <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, Chris Lewinsky, for um, context, went, did legitimately go to Harvard. Yeah, his gimmick <laughs> was like he was a snobbish elitist Harvard guy, but like he had actually gone to Harvard and got a degree, and he was quite a, uh, a smart guy. He He's the guy that is like the pioneer on like um, concussions and repeated head injuries and trauma in like American football <laughs> and other American sports now, because that's what ended his wrestling career. But oh. at this point, they had a debate with... with Scott Steiner being pro-war and Chris Nowinski being anti-war, and oh wow, it was so the, they, it cho- was the they chose the <laughs> they know, chose the fucking out of touch yeah. coastal elite yes. snobby yeah, 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 patrician you know, to voice the anti-war viewpoint. You know the Onion article where it's like a debate on on Iraq, <laughs> and, and the one guy's like listing 10, 10 reasons why this will fail and be expensive and a disaster and kill lots of people, and the other guy's like, no, it won't. It was basically that, but with like a, a partisan American crowd like wildly booing the guy making the points, and then Scott Steiner's like, "Love it or leave it, bitch." And then the yeah, but, but like, like yeah, that's, but the, the thing about this, the thing why I love this segment. For, firstly, I love this segment because it ends with Nowinski getting into massive Samoa men to beat Scott Steiner up. <laughs> <laughs> we should, look, we should have done that to Tony Blair. Yeah, if they if they, do, if they let you do that shit at the Oxford Union or something like that, but um, Vince they has um, there, not they? 
he he has yeah 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 and um the but like the other reason i love it is because like yeah Nowinski is making all these like you know quite agreeable liberal talking points about the rule of law and stuff like that and scott steiner is like i think we should invade iraq and kick the terrorist ass but like the, the thing is like <laughs> those were the actual arguments yes. being advanced by mainstream yeah. pundits and politicians so i i think that they were being more truthful with this than they meant to be and it's kind of it's it's why because people often ask me like you're a leftist why do you like wrestling with like as has become abundantly clear over this the course of this podcast it's, it's genuinely pretty horrible in the hands of people like vincent man the reason is i think because they like to do all these nationalistic storylines but wrestling is so inherently camp and silly that it mm. kind of ends up burlesquing all these right-wing yeah. ideologies it's a parody yeah, yeah. of like actual mainstream media and and the the, the narratives around it you know they have yeah it's like the musical cabaret yeah. isn't it I think later in, in 2004, they introduced a guy who was, um, was it Mohammed Hassan was his name? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was basically um, a disgruntled Muslim American. He, he was actually an Italian guy, but his initial introduction in particular was like, he was giving promos about like the suspicion he was facing since 9/11 from ordinary Americans just because of the color of his skin or, or you know the, the the religion he practices, and everything he was saying was like absolutely a hundred percent true, but he was sort of saying it in a way like he's a dickhead, and that was enough to get him like booed out of every arena he went in and and sort of tap into the inherent racism in the crowds for a. Uh, uh, a reaction, and of course that ended up. Um, oh, yeah, God. After that, to show how it escalates and how little WWE can maintain even that level of subtlety, uh, it ended up with him um, bringing out a load of masked men to try and assassinate the Undertaker on live television. Um, this happened by poor fortune on the WWF's part. To, to air the same day of the the seven seven bombings in London, they had like <laughs> it's a ridiculous over the top and deeply offensive Muslim terrorist gimmick airing that same day. So basically, every network they aired on and most countries they aired in said you can't put that character on TV ever again. So they had like a, a pay per view like a week after that or something like that where he was due to face the Undertaker. So they did that match on pay-per-view and ended it with, in kayfabe, uh, in canon, The Undertaker killed him. And he was never seen again. Is the next guy in the in the Rumble the... No, he's not No, he's not the most right-wing guy. In, the next, but I think the next guy was Matt Morgan. Um, he, he's like a Republican. Not to be confused with the British comedian who uh, yeah. re- had Noel Gallagher on his podcast regularly. Not, not him. Yeah. I would. Uh, I know nothing about Matt Morgan's politics. I haven't followed him. I remember at this point he was like a, a big guy with a good look that they were quite high on, who was reportedly improving quite a bit in training and that. And they did the usual thing. They put him on TV too early because he had a good look and he wasn't good enough. So I think shortly after this, they took him off TV again few more months, a bit more improvement. Right, let's put him back on now. He's, he's ready for the spotlight. And they gave him a gimmick of, like, he's a big stuttering freak. And that was that was his WWF career, like, dead after one week of that. Because <laughs> it's such a yeah, bad gimmick. Yeah, like, 
he 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 um he went into like local um he, he's currently a city commissioner in uh, the town of Longwood, Florida, okay. and has, uh, was exposed, I think, last year or the year before, as having ties to Republican congressman and accused sex trafficker Matt Gates. So, oh, there's, uh, no. so there's that. Hell. The, the other fact I know about Matt Morgan is because they called him the blueprint. This is more fucking eugenic shit. They called him the blueprint. And they were like, he has perfect DNA. Look how like muscular and athletic he is because he was shit at wrestling. So they had to like give him something. And yeah. as part of one of these time capsules. Um, uh, things that people like to do they actually shot some of his DNA into space so Matt Morgan's, <laughs> Matt Morgan's baby batter is just orbiting the earth like the baby from 2001 space <laughs> <laughs> and despite all, all of it he's still got a better politics than his mate Noel <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing I just remembered about Matt Morgan like as we're speaking this and this is a, a sign of how much of my brain has been devoted to absolutely useless and range wrestling trivia they introduced him i think on tv it was like a big five versus five survivor series match and they, oh, they I introduced, love that yes they introduced uh, on one of the teams it was him and um nathan jones uh, not the southampton manager uh, at the time of recording <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, not, not the the yeah um not the, the former Luton manager, let's call him out to be safe. Um, but so they had these two big guys with very little talent at this point. Nathan Jones was one of the worst wrestlers of all time. Uh, but I think big he, guys, little talent. He, he made a decent career as like a Hollywood sort of stuntman for fight scenes and like henchman number two sort of roles and stuff like that because he, he looked great, but he just couldn't hot wrestle. No, no coordination. But they had these two guys. And I think they probably had Mark Henry on that as well. And oh, no, they had a, I think it was a big uh, show in A-Train and Brock Lesnar. Something, something like that. There was, it's there was, a team of big stupid yeah, At least so four of the five were like particularly big men. And they were, they were, the commentators started referring to the team as like a thousand pounds of beef. <laughs> just like my... Uh, uh, nah, something like a uh, uh, penis. <laughs> 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 I think there we go. What one wrestling pay per view in a couple of hours of discussion, and we've like broken Jack's brain. Now. <laughs> Welcome to our world. Number ten was the Hurricane, who's probably notable for them giving up on him like exactly as superhero movies became popular in pop culture, <laughs> and then like never. The man who the authorities uh, came to blame uh, for something that he never... <laughs> See, I knew he was a boxer. I never knew he had this career after his release from prison. That would be a... Uh, retroactively be a really funny song if it was about, like, Hurricane Helms. <laughs> the, the sort of slightly whiny fuck-up of a cruiserweight. Um, with Booker T number 11. Now, I, don't, I, I presume this is oh, yeah. every version. I don't think this was dubbed in, but they, they didn't have his famous um, royalty-free entrance music. They, they had a remixed version of it on the, the version I watched. And I was really Take them on to Green Onions. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, that would be too cool. That would... That would... <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, you, you know, Jack, you know Booker T from uh, a promo you found a few months ago and remarked on. Oh, is it the Hulk Hogan one? It's the Hulk Hogan one. He found it out in the blue while he was looking up something. I think I think we got him to watch some Randy Savage promos because he didn't know who Randy Savage was, and I presume it recommended this in, in the algorithm to him. So he just popped up in the Real Politics chat one day, like, 
you know that Booker T promo where he calls Hulk Hogan the N word? Oh, I just yeah. watched it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Yeah. So he, yeah, after that, he, he went on to be a reasonably big star, first in WCW and, and now in the WWE. He was quite a talented guy. You know, he's kind of got a reputation as one of the grumpy old men of wrestling now, if you like. He just, cause he still works for the WWE doing like. Uh, punditry and stuff like that. Um, yeah, we're back whenever Bad Bunny has his match every six months. Yeah, <laughs> he does. He, he just does grumpy promos about how everyone that isn't him should be more grateful to the WWE and Vince McMahon for the opportunities <laughs> they're giving you. It, it, it pays his bills. It pays. His B- bills. Booker T um, came to prominence in the UK um, during the first lockdown because um, it was Edwina Curry, wasn't it? She. Oh! <laughs> She, she, some, someone, no, (laughs) someone did this, someone did this tweet, um, and it said something along the lines of, let me find it, let me find it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is, this is one of, this is one of the, the funniest things to happen in, in, uh, in lockdown. But Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. So someone did a tweet with a video attached to it that said, Disgusting scenes in Asda haven't today when it should have been a time for the elderly and NHS staff. Please retweet to name and shame. And she's quote tweeted it with, You sure this isn't staged? Nobody else around, no security staff, and whoever's filming is managing to get all the angles. The, <laughs> the, the video in question is Stone Cold and um, Booker, T. Booker T brawling around the supermarket like smashing food <laughs> over each other's head there's a wwf logo in the bottom corner of the video right and like it literally has like a a poor stone cold pauses beating the guy up to drink some milk from the supermarket and stuff like that <laughs> like it's and she's like mm, not sure about this one <laughs> Ilford crimes. <laughs> and if you want old Stone Cold to take the milk from the north and the milk from the south, <laughs> give me a hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah. So who we got next? We gotta get through we, we, these we, things. We got, yeah, we'll yeah. There's a few we can yeah. rattle through because in the middle the sort of star power drops off a bit. So a lot of chaff. We got we got <laughs> Kane coming out next, and he tends to do well in these because he's a big guy, chat loads of people out. But Kane. This was shortly after he used to wear like a Slipknot style mask, and this was shortly after he'd unmasked, and he's more terrifying. He's a bald libertarian, which is actually more oh, frightening. Than yeah, I think Kane is the most likely person. Yeah. So he's in prison for paedophilia, am I right? No, <laughs> not yet. Um, so again, um, legal. Uh, said, uh, that was a question. Okay. Not, no, uh, no. An ale- not an accusation. He's a mayor of, of an American town. Um, he is <laughs> a very right-wing Republican. He was a libertarian for a long time. You know, he calls himself a libertarian. You know what I mean. But hilariously, I mean, he's taken up every stock right-wing position. He's anti-vax. Uh, yeah. He's um, He thinks Joe Biden's a communist and all this, you know. Uh, but very fun... Brilliantly, he is rabidly and vocally anti-mask, despite having <laughs> okay. spent maybe 15 of his 20-year career uh, in like ridiculous masks. <laughs> so the, the most satisfying This You post I've ever done was like quote-tweeting him <laughs> with like uh, <laughs> a, a compilation image of like 15 different masks he'd worn over a period of years. <laughs> Be like, one rule for them, 
there, was, there was a very good issue involving uh, Kane as well. Oh, I think shit. last year when he tweeted, if if you're on the left and are shocked by Putin's aggression, wake up, sunshine. Historically in the real world, Mike makes right. Weakness, which is really what the left is all about, is not a virtue. It's a fatal character flaw. And no, the US should still not get involved. And another wrestler called Hangman Page, who wrestled yes. for WWE's competition, just posted a link to a video. It's just called 10 Ruthless Chair Shots Kane Took to the Head. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. Like That would have been a brilliant comeback from anyone, but the fact that it was like someone active in his industry, and Kane is one of those people that's like, he was seen as a nice guy as a wrestler, so like even people who have the opposite politics to him who were in the WWE with him tend to be like, yeah, I love Kane, we just don't talk politics and stuff, you know? But mm. this guy's just like, no, he's a cunt. <laughs> he's massively concussed and he's a cunt. Um, <laughs> so then the, the next entrance, um, they teased that it was going to be take, uh, Undertaker because Kane had buried him alive uh, about a <laughs> about three months before, right? Yes, um, that's happened. So for context, The Undertaker had spent maybe the first eight or nine years of his career as like probably The Undertaker you're thinking of, Jack, if you've seen pictures of him before. You know, I like, can't, I dre- can't dressed in, in dressed in all black and and almost like a wrestling sort of zombie or uh, whatever, okay. uh, or like uh, at the very least uh, a massive goth, um, <laughs> and he'd sort of come out to like slow music with druids and all this. Um, <laughs> with druids yeah. and all. Yeah, no, no, no. The, the big entrances they'd bring out druids and that, and then then he decided like. The character was getting a bit stale, and he decided he wanted to be... Uh, he was someone who had a lot of clout backstage because he'd been there the whole time and all this, while other stars had, had ditched him. He decided he wanted to be, like, a cool biker because that was basically <laughs> what he saw himself as, and he wanted to do that. <laughs> and it sort of worked, like, in brief bits, but he basically, like, drive to the ring on a motorbike, and obviously the crowd would go mad for that. And he'd come out to, like, Kid Rock or Limp Bizkit and so on. <laughs> so it's like... He, in 2001, was, like, the most 2001 wrestler, which was quite an achievement for someone of his age, really. Um, well, I'm sure when Jack's watching Sons of Anarchy, he's always playing Limp Bizkit and... <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> terrible, terrible music. Or, like, they'll, they'll get good music, like a Neil Young song or something, and they'll just have some, like, fucking clown cover it. <laughs> like, fucking... <laughs> Fred Durst, like, hey, we well, love your cover around, around behind Around the same blue period, eyes. they used U2 as a, a, a video that was like Triple H rehabbing a serious injury. <laughs> what song? Uh, was it Beautiful Day? I can't remember. Uh, Miracle Cure? That would be It was probably Beautiful Day, because it was obviously, mm. they wanted it to be one that the fans knew. Yeah. Hang on. I'm just thinking Miracle Cure is on the, the same album as Vertigo, so it's like around this period i think was this 2004 yeah yeah it was a beautiful day they did like a three minute okay. video of him recovering from his injury and about to return that was, that was... well that's actually less on the nose than my suggestion <laughs> then <laughs> yeah. but um uh, yeah so the, the idea was that when, when they played like the gongs that was uh undertaker's entrance music kane was freaking out because he thought undertaker was going to come back but he didn't and instead spike dudley came out who was like the smallest man they'd, they'd had in wwe in years. <laughs> Um, and then they they followed that up with probably the biggest guy on the roster, Rikishi. But again, this was just before they got rid of him. I think there wasn't really much to say. He was yeah. previously Rikishi. being like a popular dancing fat guy, but at this point he was just 
You're just a guy. Just a guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rikishi like is best summed up by how one of my mates summarised him by saying, and I quote, "He was a fat guy who loved dancing and showing his ass. It's what wrestling's all about." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the main, the main notable thing about any match Rikishi was in is he might knock someone into the corner of the ring and rub his ass on them. That's what the crowd wanted to see when he was in the ring. And all the commentators would be like, oh no, what a terrible arse, and, and things like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> not, not phrased quite like that. Number 15, <laughs> oh, no, number 15 again, a very, a very, very, very um, current affairs based gimmick. Uh, <laughs> this was Rene Dupre, uh, Dupre, a French Canadian guy who was, I think he was like the youngest guy on the roster at the time, but he was one half of a tag team they'd hastily introduced the previous year. Uh, the other guy in the tag team was like one of the worst wrestlers I've ever had. But they were La Resistance, the French bad guys. And the reason they were bad guys <laughs> is because they were French. Yeah. Uh, famously they... for resistance, uh, yeah. bad guys. Yeah. Uh, Viva Louis XIV. It definitely wasn't just the first French phrase that popped into their heads in, like, <laughs> yeah, in the last two minutes of a booking meeting or something. But this yeah, was, it was like, going to be like, bibliotech. This was like the Freedom Fries era, so they they obviously had like... Uh, a couple of promos being like, oh, you silly Americans going to war with everyone. You should be cultured <laughs> what like us, the French. It was really, really not <laughs> fast. But, Cut a real yeah. egg on the French's face over that one. Eh? <laughs> and <I> think <laughs> this was shortly before René Dupre uh, developed his arrogant French dance, which was like the only thing he ever did that got the French tickler. They, they later called it. Yeah. yeah, he would basically okay. at some point when his opponent would drop down, he would like skip from side to side with his hands over his head or something, or you know his, his arms out, and the, the, the commentators would be like, "This arrogant French dance." <laughs> Uh, Triple F, you've seen you've seen Rene Dupree live, haven't you? Yeah. Live a few times. I once saw him live during a WrestleMania weekend at the local promotion here in Preston. Whereas <laughs> no, normally, like if you're a wrestler, it's WrestleMania weekend. You go to America, you do some of the shows there. So not a good sign of his career <laughs> that he's having to wrestle in Preston. Over <laughs> That's like uh, scouting for girls playing my town. Yes. It's like it okay, exactly that like explains that. There's, why there's a lot I haven't of wrestling heard. equivalents. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's, it's like the downside of, of Mickey Rourke's career in the film The Wrestler, but like smaller venues and, and from like less of a high to start with, you know? Again, much like uh, Mickey Rourke's film career in, yeah. <laughs> in recent years and uh, before that. Yeah, yeah. Before and after The Wrestler. <laughs> so the next guy, A-Train at the time, wasn't he? But also known as Albert and later known as Lord Tensai. He yeah, was he was first known as uh, Prince Albert. Prince Albert, <laughs> yeah. He loved piercings, that was his original gimmick. Um, and they, they called him Prince Albert, that was the sort of level they were at in the, the Attitude Era. Um, Did they nick his name for the boys? What? what? They might have done. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, but it is. They, like... Yeah, they, they, they did have a character called that, but I think that's just coincidence, because that was just did, one. Did, yeah, like they, I guess they, an A train is a thing, probably. They, yeah, they, they didn't yeah, change his gimmick when they changed his name to A train. They just gave him a an entrance theme that had like a train sound at the start of it. I would always pronounce his name as a train back in the day. <laughs> a train. Oh, we should have a little <laughs> clip of uh, Milk Train by the Everly Brothers here. Mr. Stop outside of my door. 
was he was one of these guys. He was just a big guy they liked, and they kept trying and trying and trying to get the guy <coughs> over, and it, it didn't work. They, he then went to Japan for a few years and came back and was quite a good wrestler, and they they still couldn't get him any sort of reaction. The most reaction this guy ever got from crowds was over the the hairy back that he had. So they tried to lean into that and like encourage the shave your back chants and stuff, and that petered <laughs> out. And that that was the closest he got to being a big star. Yeah. yeah. Well, still, he had a good career. He was still with WWE, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He's a backstage uh, guy, isn't he? Like a producer. Yes. Yeah. He's had a lot of backstage roles. He was the main trainer for a while, wasn't he? There after yeah, they, yeah. after they cunted off Bill Demott for being like just harassing everyone and hazing <laughs> yeah. everyone. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, next is Shelton Benjamin. There's not much to say about him, really. He was a promising guy that never really got any promo ability or, or charisma. So, he's, he's, again, yeah. he's had a long career. He's done all right, but... Oh, yeah, it's just uh, come up to, like, 20 years in WWE. Well, he wasn't there the yeah. whole time. They, they let him go for a few years. Yeah, not, not continuously, but <laughs> no, 20 no. years since his debut. His, his, his origin story is he was like a, a, a college wrestling teammate of Brock Lesnar, who we saw earlier. So they yeah. just, and Brock Lesnar was like, if you sign me, you got to sign my mate. And they were like, fine, so they did. <laughs> but they, he was genuinely good at the start. Like, he, he picked it up very quickly, and they, they, they had a good yeah, tag yeah, team yeah. going, and he, he was good when he first came up to the roster. He just, I think, peaked early and just couldn't cut a promo to save his life, really. Um, oh, yeah, remember gave him the gimmick where his mum would come out with him. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Shelton Benjamin's yeah. mama. They literally put out like a casting call. That was that must, wouldn't have been too long after this, I don't think. They like put out a casting call publicly. It was like WWE want a fat black woman to work for us for about six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was literally like that level of subtlety. And then you know all the dirt sheets and that got weird. <clears> like, all oh, right, they're literally doing a stereotypical black mama for Shelton Benjamin, who at that point they were like, let's just book him sensibly. You'll be a star at some point. And then, and then they got just this sort of domineering mother. Uh, it didn't work at all. Yeah, I think like during one of his matches, she had a heart attack. Yes. And then like he yeah. sat in a wheelchair the next yeah. week and uh, hit his opponents. With I can't remember who attack. it was. Like some authority figure at that point. I don't know if it was like Teddy Long or William Regal or something. Was like kept trying to chat her up or something like that as well. <laughs> I was going to ask if they had like a little subplot where someone fucked his mum. They didn't go that far with it, but I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure Vince considered it. Vince, <laughs> Vince probably tried to backstage. Yeah, um, subplot in his actual what, life. What, while we're talking about like bad gimmicks around this time, this is probably the point to try and explain to Jack what came in very shortly after this: the the gimmick of Eugene. Oh, oh Jesus! Wow. <laughs> so yes. again, it was a bad taste gimmick that I think the WWE realised as they were doing it was at least some level of bad taste because they actually put out a preemptive press release explaining why this gimmick is, is, is meant as an inspirational story and is nice and is not offensive like you think. But basically... When, that so, feel when you stand by your word. Yeah. So <laughs> they had a guy called Nick Dinsmore in the developmental system who was like a quite a good technical wrestler but he didn't really have the look that they wanted, you know big steroid man basically so they didn't know how to promote him basically and then what they came up with was so Eric Bischoff the, one of the guys that were brawled before the Rumble 
introduced was it his nephew it was like a distant relative of his a nephew i think and it was this guy uh who the gimmick was he was mentally disabled or developed me dis- <laughs> oh, it didn't no. say specifically what was i what think was you mentioned this on the previous oh, episode. Uh, yeah and the gimmick was that he was like an idiot savant with wrestling because he'd watched so much wrestling because it was like the only thing that entertained his idiot brain so like <laughs> he would be like couldn't tie his shoelaces and would like get distracted walking to the ring and stuff like that but then as soon as he was in the ring he'd be like pulling out all his favorite moves from people like the rock and stuff called steve austin and and some of the like comedy moves from the 80s and stuff um, they, they, they they did a um he's actually responsible for probably one of the greatest segments in the history of wrestling which is they did a an episode of raw where eugene got to be like the commissioner for a night so he ran the show and the first thing he did in the storyline was to make a load of the wrestlers play a game of musical chairs oh god this is amazing yeah it's it's so funny it's like chris jericho uh rick flair tajiri yeah yeah and um stacy keebler Um, tyson tomko like there's a a bunch of people and like it's do yourself a favor and check it out because it's genuinely like seven or eight minutes of just perfect (laughs) idiot comedy like i'm laughing just thinking of rick flair in that segment (laughs) yeah just like rick flair just like you do this strut and he was like strutting across the music like whoa and then he likes was like halfway across the ring and then the music stopped and just miles away from the chairs. It's really good. Yeah. He's like, that wasn't the first time they did that gimmick and it wasn't the last time. Well, WCW and it, had done it, D- hadn't they? With, um... WCW had Evad Sullivan. Yeah, it's the, the thing about Eugene was the, like because there's, there's an, a podcast called the Ashadero podcast who were just doing they did a retrospective on him and they did get some people who are were like neurodivergent who did say that like actually they liked the gimmick because they saw something of themselves in Eugene. But then there were other neurodivergent people who were like, no, I found this gratuitously offensive. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a little, it's not quite as black and white in terms of the reaction to the gimmick, but like it, it is, I don't think WWE was trying to inspire neuro, neurodivergent people with this. I think they were just doing it to be fuckers really. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a weird one. And it was genuinely like, popular with the crowds for about four or five weeks and then the whole angle had played out completely and he just got booed wherever he appeared on screen and yeah yeah and he had like one match with kurt angle at SummerSlam, and kurt angle personally found the gimmick offensive so the first thing he did was punch him in the face as hard as he could for real <laughs> actually that, like, that brings us on nicely too because we've done Ernest miller kurt angle was like yeah. the next guy kurt uh, the next came out, yeah um, oh yeah, so it, yeah. His obviously very sort of generic, like American jingoistic entrance music is a famous one, and brilliantly, Newcastle United for years used to play it at halftime. <laughs> I, I don't know if they were deliberately like in, this was when they were absolutely shit as well most of that few years. So I don't know if they were <laughs> deliberately trying to encourage their own fans to chant "You suck" at their own players. <laughs> yeah, because that's what these. Yeah, they used to like sing. The crowd used to chant "You suck" along with um, yeah. a- along with the entry. But like Kurt Angle is an Olympic gold medalist in yeah. amateur wrestling, and that's not like a gimmick. He legit won a gold medal at the Atlanta Olympics. Um, yeah, while in yeah with yeah yeah we had a fractured neck, and he like he competed in the gold medal match and he won like a legitimate like American proper wrestling hero. Yeah, and he, he took to pro wrestling and picked it up really quickly, like as quickly as anyone ever has so like by the time they they put him on the main roster he was already like 
a top de- top ten guy they had, and then after a year he was like one of the best there's ever been. But he was a weird one in that they basically had two ways to book him, both of which he was brilliant at, but they kind of got in each other's way. They would book him as like the extremely tough guy who you don't fuck with and who would just like ruthlessly destroy you. And they would also book him as like an incredibly goofy comedy guy. Again, he had brilliant comic timing. Uh, I'm not, you know, um, so he was genuinely amazing at it. But it probably like undermined them then booking him as like the tough guy who runs through everyone to become a champion. Yeah, they they also booked him like um, just after nine eleven, like pretty much straight up oh, as a yeah. like American patriotic Literally, good, guy. good guy. Yeah, like, the next week. Yeah. Yeah, but like the the best Kurt Angle promo is the one he there's a event <sighs> called. New Year's Resolution 2006, oh, and shit. Kurt Angle was playing a villain at the time. And but the 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 gist of the promo was he was making the point that like I'm so great at wrestling that I can say the most offensive shit I want, and the, the crowd is going to cheer yep. me. So like the first thing he did was he came out and said, "I just want to say that I hope the USA loses the war in Iraq, <laughs> <laughs> and that my favorite country in the world is France." And furthermore, I'm not a particularly big fan of. They just the air quotes the black people. <laughs> <laughs> and he does the same promo as well. He goes, and it, it if was I could, going like, if so I could well. make anyone tap out, if there was anyone in history I could make tap out, it would probably have to be Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the crowd he, is still the crowd was still like cheering him for all this. So that's a brilliant thing. Uh, he's like, yeah, genuinely like, and like an, an incredible like athletic in-ring wrestler as well and yeah. he also went to a company called TNA in 2006 when he, he was like doing a bunch of painkillers so Delilui fired him and then he was like I'll show you doing painkillers and um, went to TNA and was just like fueled by Percocet for like four or five years yeah he'd come out and he'd have a, still really good matches in TNA to small crowds because they couldn't promote for shit and then he would basically spend most of the rest of the month in a wheelchair and then he'd, he'd come out just long enough to have the next great match, and then he'd then, you know, spend a week in a wheelchair, rack up a couple more DUIs. Like <laughs> it's kind yeah. of amazing he's still alive, really. I was, I was, I couldn't watch a lot of his stuff in TNA because I'm like, this will be good, but my favorite wrestler might die. Oh yeah, like, it's die. a sad story yeah. because Jeff, Jeff Jarrett stole his wife. He's like, well, I've got nothing left to live for. I'm just going to be the best wrestler I can. I don't care if it kills me. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need to talk about Rico, do we? He was, There's not much to talk he, about. He Rico. was an odd one. He was like, he was kind of like sort of a Batista or a DDP in that he came to wrestling really old by the standards of starting out, and apparently was like having the best matches in developmental, more so than Randy Orton, more so than than John Cena or Shelton Benjamin or Brock Lesnar or anyone like that. And there were apparently people advocating for him there, like. Look, call this guy up, give him a push. You've got a small window with this guy. So, of course, they gave him, like, the comedy gay fashion stylist gimmick. <laughs> uh, and, and because of that, they usually just had him as a manager because they didn't want to have anyone even looking competitive against a gay guy. They can't fight. So they, they oh, basically yeah. just destroyed we, this we guy's career from Chuck day one. Billy. Oh, God. Well, Chuck... well, Billy Gunn comes out later, so we can talk about Oh, yeah, oh, yeah we can talk, we can talk about them then, then. Number 21 um... was, was supposed to be test... He got laid out backstage, so it was actually Mick Foley. Um, this was just part of the storyline with Randy Orton at the time, really. Uh, Foley was someone who had retired because he was a fucking head case for his whole active career and had like, he could barely walk afterwards. Um, 
you know, he, he was the guy taking stupid bumps and injuries and chair shots before it was cool. And this paid the price for like 30 years since. Yeah, he had to retire when he was 34. Yeah. Because he just fucked himself up so bad yeah. doing all these ridiculous stunts like he's and took a lot of chair shots to the head. Maybe not coincidentally, he's now obsessed with Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like he just he just fucking loves Christmas like um, yeah. in a very like harmless but kind of a little strange way. Yeah, in a sort of childlike way, in a Eugene way. <laughs> yeah, but you like you, at the end of the day, like he's one yeah. of these guys. Like he sacrificed his body for the business, yeah. and he's not hurting anyone. So like he can basically do what he wants. Like he's certainly one of the least problematic he's, old he's, wrestlers. It's a good promo, so they bring him in now and again as a backstage figure or whatever, and, and the crowd like him. Yeah. And yeah, uh, next one was Christian, but this was. This was a time they weren't really doing anything with him. He was just oh, a... Jack, Jack has left us. Has he gone? Yeah. Okay, he'll be back, I'm sure. Yeah. In a minute. He can just talk about Christian. Hold on for a second. Yeah, there's not much to talk yeah. about. Christian. Like what you yeah. said, we were with him. That was basically his entire career. They said him like generic mid card guy. There was a point not long after this where they they had a window to give him an actual proper push, but they didn't. The he was like Captain Charisma with Tomko and that around him. I was, I'm still bitter that they didn't, but have, at this have point, you... he was just a guy, you know. Have you ever seen that backstage bit where um, Christian, like, he decides he wants to do a rap and he just says, Tomko, give me a beat, and Tomko goes, no. no. <laughs> yeah. Was, it about, but... yeah, was that TNA? Was that no, no, that, that, TNA. That was, was WWE. WWE. that was WWE. Yeah. Because I, I know Tomko thing. was with him in no, both it, of those. It was, when they, it was when they teased the feud for a good few weeks with, like, Christian versus Cena. Because that, that was, like, he was trying to prove he was a better rapper than Cena. <laughs> so that's, that's yeah, why was that like, was no, it. Yes, yes, yes. And, and yeah. Oh, yeah. Tomko basically yeah, he... built his entire career on that delivery of no, the perfect <laughs> comic timing. Yeah. Christian's not really like he, he was Edge's tag partner. I think at this point he's he's kind of not really uh, a, a a big a big deal to be honest. He, he so cut his hair, so they were probably thinking about giving him a push now. But he, he'd had yeah. a couple of years of just being the sort of cowardly mid card heel. That yeah, uh, didn't Vince uh, McMahon really hate Vince McMahon really hate the blue dot gimmick? Dark gimmick. Yes. Yeah. Uh, practical yeah. question. Garain, have you been recording the MP3 Skype recorder? Yes. Okay, cool, because I might need that as a backup yeah, for my I missed, side. I think I missed the first two minutes or so, literally. The third, so oh, cool. I think I up, should have but that. I've got, it will be fine. I've got all of it, don't worry. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, Nunzio was a comedy Italian mob guy. Yeah, again, really, really talented guy, but he was like five foot three or something. So like, no. <laughs> Real, really Italian guy. Yeah, he, he was essentially Italian. Oscar Terzi was his gimmick. Yeah, his 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 stable was called the the FBI, the Full Blooded Italians, and um, it's an offshoot of a stable in ECW, and they had like loads of them in ECW, and like I think two of them were Italian. There was a guy called um, Tracy Smothers who was billed as being from Nashville, Italy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nunzio used to come to the ring like on yeah. on 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 his teammates' shoulders, just like parading him around. You know, brilliant. Uh, yeah, but yeah, they they just used him as like a, a, another cruiserweight here sort of thing. Uh, didn't do much with him. Twenty four was the big show. Oh yeah. This, <laughs> every single year for about twenty years, they would tease like, oh, who can beat the big show in a match like this? Where you got to chuck everyone over the the top row. But this was probably the year where they made the most concerted effort to be like, no, look, nobody can beat the big show here. 
obviously ended up playing into the ending, but um, you know, he he was a guy they just destroyed in their first year they had him really. Yeah, this made him out to be a an incompetent boob, yeah. like um, just just a com- just a complete fucking clown. He kept, he kept <laughs> turning on everyone like every week as well, so he was like an oh, indecisive yeah. boob as well. Yeah, um, big show. Big Show's problem throughout his career has always been he's too good an actor, like in a weird way. Like he can cry on command really convincingly, and because he can do that, they have him do it all the fucking time. Yeah, like let's humiliate him. That'll make good TV. And like, yeah, it will. But like when you try and promote him as a tough guy again in six months, you, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, like just he also had his own Netflix sitcom called The Big Show Show. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I'd completely forgotten about that. Yes, because he was shy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you got this guy. You have to be like, look, the power of the punch. He's going to lay everyone out. No one can beat him. He's just going to destroy people. And you're like, yeah, but three months ago you had him like dressed as the New Year's baby, yeah. and a big old nappy and a stupid grin on TV. Like <laughs> Neville Southall in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining like a dramatic uh, pay-per-view hype video, like dramatic voiceovers. The adult baby takeover <laughs> this Sunday <laughs> is back on. <laughs> I, I went through a period because there was the, the NXT, which is their developmental brand. They always call their big shows NXT Takeover, and I went through a, a, a phase of just every time they released the poster, just photoshopping the words "adult baby" into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, oh it's, it's fucking oh Jericho next. We've, we've Jericho mentioned next, it. Yeah, at, at great length. This, yeah, this was a point poor, where they worked. There was Jericho. Like, there was like a two. <laughs> year stretch where they weren't doing anything with him and he was he was he was still really good and they just oh Chris Jericho you know we can just put him out there and, and do nothing with him basically they, they made him like the undisputed champion in 2002 in a really dramatic way they had him like beat Stone Cold and The Rock on the same night and then they decided to do that by having a feud based around like Triple H's wife's dog <laughs> Surprisingly, that didn't work. So, like, that's Jericho's fault. He can't draw. Get the title off him. Do fuck all with him for the next few years. And in a very Vince McMahon way, they didn't really respect him again until he'd quit the company and then come back because that takes guts to quit the company. Um, And now he's a podcaster. So he landed on his feet. He's a podcaster. He's still a wrestler. (laughs) Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. Still going. He's he's one of those people that keeps reinventing himself. And Thespian and sticks with every star. sticks with every gimmick just long enough to be like oh fucking Jericho bored of him now and, and probably come up with something new again in a couple of years. He, he, he was rocks. Up. He <laughs> acts. He wrestles. <laughs> he podcasts. Just like me. <laughs> he, he was on the he was on the masked singer in the US recently and firstly he like he, he's a terrible singer and, yeah. and secondly like when the the um they played the clips like who could this mysterious person be and because he has such a distinctive voice there was like 200 wrestling fans in the reply to the tweet goes obviously Chris Jericho <laughs> I, I just imagine his singing voice is sounding like uh, Chad uh, Kroger Kruger no, not really uh, really Krieger no. Um, no. Well, okay. That's just the, the type of music I imagine him making. No, it's, it's, it's basically not, it's just Nickelback. It's, it's, no, it's Chad not. Kroger is like Placido Domingo compared to Jericho <laughs> in terms of vocal technique. Hey, I'm Chris Jericho. It's not nearly as cool as you're making it sound. <laughs> no, that's, 
He's like, that's like Macho Man Randy Savage. Like. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Number 26 is probably the least interesting person in the entire Rumble. <laughs> Charlie Haas, he was Shelton Benjamin's less interesting tag partner. There was nothing wrong with him. He was decent enough, but there's like nothing interesting to say about his career at all, apart from when he, apart from when he like injured Lillian Garcia. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> as 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 an indication of how generic this man is, and like the second funniest thing that happened in the 2005 Royal Rumble, the first funniest being them fucking up the finish. Vince McMahon coming out legit, really annoyed, getting the ring and tearing his quad. Um, but, but like <laughs> tearing both sec- quads. Tearing both quads, yeah. The second funniest thing that happened in the match is Jim Ross on commentary for some reason becomes convinced that Charlie Haas is Rene Dupre. <laughs> and um, they look quite similar and Tal is also on commentary he's trying to gently nudge him he's like that's, um, that's Charlie Haas there and like two or three times JR calls Charlie Haas for Lady Prey and then Charlie Haas gets thrown over the top rope and JR just goes au revoir <laughs> <laughs> You know, you've got the generic wrestlers, and then you've got the genetic wrestlers. The very interesting genetics who should be studied. Speaking of Charlie Haas is the generic freak. (laughs) Number 27, here comes the Ass Man with the best entrance theme in wrestling history. The Ass Man. Billy Gunn, formerly known as Mr. Ass, whose uh, theme song goes, I'm an ass man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm an ass man. Is it... <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Is this a gun with two ends? Yes. Like like like, a... like James Gunn. He used That's to be it. in a tag team themed around cowboys called the Smoking Guns. Yeah, we've that, got that, one. They, That's they interesting. Once a, they once like tried for opening, they'd come out with pop guns and he'd shoot them, but all the crowd were terrified, you know, because two people's <laughs> guns have just started shooting into the audience. <laughs> is, 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 is it his real surname? <laughs> Is it his real surname? No, no, no his, no. his no. real name is Monty Sop. Which is, a great, <laughs> which is a great name, but maybe not if you want to promote him as a wrestler. He was, he was in a tag team with a guy who was not his real brother, but in, in the in the storyline they were brothers. And they at one point in the late 90s, they had like a legitimate fighting contest between WWE wrestlers, like a semi-MMA thing. And they they didn't put any of the big stars in it, because obviously it would kill their careers if like Stone Cold got knocked out by... like prelim guy but this other guy Bart Gunn won that competition and they were pissed off at him for winning it because he like beat the guy they wanted to promote off the back of it in the legitimate fight that they put him in and paid him both well to have so they they booked him against like a legitimate boxer albeit a ridiculous one uh, who just like knocked him the fuck out in one of the most spectacular (laughs) fashions in Wrestlemania and therefore, like, ended his career in the United States. Yeah, it was. Well, it's it's very interesting that he adopted the name as a gun as a, a nom de plume, if you will, because that's much like the film director James Gunn, who is called that because that's what he should <laughs> be shot with. Is, is Monty I've, <laughs> I've got I've got the lyrics to "I'm an Ass Man" up here. The first yes. verse goes goes such: I love to love him. I love to kick him. I love to shove him. I love to stick him. Love to flaunt him. I love to watch him. I love to pick him, and I'm gonna kick him. Oh god! Because I'm an ass man. Yeah, I'm an ass man. Yeah, he's in love with all the bits of the ass. Oh, yeah. So many asses. The the song makes clear that he both loves his own ass, 
and then it goes on about like a little tight one can stop him on a dime so he, he appreciates uh, a fine ass on someone else as well yeah yeah a little I'm tight a... one so he's another pedophile then <laughs> <laughs> i'm a lover of every kind the best surprises always sneak up from behind <laughs> it's like it's like dante rossetti isn't it <laughs> Oh, but yeah, wow. we need to talk about a billion shock when it comes to Billy Gunn. Yeah, oh, well, he later, in a completely unrelated to any of that that we just said, had a gay marriage angle. What, yeah, what? they did a gay marriage storyline. Him and this other guy, um, Chuck. Yeah, yeah a, a, a future full-blooded Italian, incidentally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they did a storyline, and Rico, who was earlier in the match, was their quote-unquote stylist. And um, and th- th- this is like one of the scummiest things to happen in wrestling, yeah. actually, because they partner with uh, Glad for this storyline. You know, the, the like the, the pro LGBT advocacy group in America. Yeah, yeah. And so the storyline was they were two concerned because guys... uh, when they first started doing it, some of the crowds were like, "Oh, they're gay. We should boo them." I can't think why there would be concerns. Surely LGBT issues are, are safe in the hands of Vince McMahon. Um, and yeah, so they they like, no, we're going to do it properly. We're going to do a, a gay wedding storyline on, on TV. So Glad kind of gave them the thumbs up and they partnered with them for it. And then the the upshot of it was where uh, they're like, no, man, we're actually gay, bro. That's gay. We're not gay. And it was just, oh, for fuck's sake, man. Like, yeah, we're just doing it for publicity. And then surprisingly, like the organisations that they'd used to get publicity with it were like, "Fuck you." <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. like the wedding where the feast then tore off his mask, revealing it was Eric Bischoff. Yeah, and two big Samoan two guys big came. Samoan. In and <laughs> the same, the self same Samoan men from the Christopher Nowinski Scott Steiner yeah. debate. Yeah, <laughs> they were their go-to like thing ruiners. If they couldn't figure out how to end the scene, they would literally just have Eric Bischoff say the phrase three minutes and and two. <laughs> Two Samoans would, would come and beat the shit out of everyone in the room. Why is, why is it always Samoans? It's because they're hard heads, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 sorry, I forgot the phrenological angle. <laughs> also, we should friend. we should keep ticking along on this list. What are we on? Like oh, we got three, we got three, yeah, got three so we left. Got, yeah, number twenty-eight, John Cena. This was before he was like pushed as a big, big, big mega star, but that was about to start. So th- oh, this yeah. time it was still John Cena, the the wrestling rapper. Um, <laughs> Which was quite funny because, you know, his raps were not supposed to be, like, seriously good raps. They were more, like, just sort of, well, my name is John Cena and I'm here to say, but, like, <laughs> with some dick jokes about his opponent, like, before oh, the match. Um, is he, is it, did he do a kind of thing and, like, uh, he'd, like, do a kind of, like, Muhammad Ali-style rap thing, like... Or was that somebody else? Someone definitely did a kind of, you know, where it's not like strictly within meter. I am a wrestler and I'm here to wrestle. Da, da, da. No, no, John, John Cena couldn't have rap apart from doing it in like a vanilla ice meter. Yeah. Okay. But okay. as a result of him even being able to do that, <clears throat> it meant that around this time, every time there was a big pay-per-view or WrestleMania or SummerSlam or something like that, the internet would be alive with like, yeah, John Cena's going to wrestle Eminem or something like that. <laughs> you know? John, John Cena's going to wrestle Jay-Z. Like, no, he's not. Or sometimes it would just be like, he's going to have a rap battle with them live on pay-per-view. And like, why would they return the call? <laughs> well, Jay-Z would fit right in because he's retired as many times as many professional wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. But he's also yeah. very, very, very rich, like beyond what WWE would pay him. 
I, oh, I'll, right, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you who John Cena has wrestled, um, a, a, another fellow rapper, and that is uh, Kevin Federline. Um, oh, yeah, uh, former but, husband of Fitty Spears. Uh, yeah, yeah, and not only did John Cena wrestle Kevin Federline, he lost to him. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, someone came and interfered or something, wasn't it? Kevin Federline was a terrifyingly convincing, like, wrestling heel. He was crap in the yeah. ring, but like he was the yeah. exact right sort of dickhead to work for, like promoting a match. Yeah, yeah. He, he's probably convinced because he actually was a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. John John Cena, by the way, this like the fall he takes to the outside in this match, like he tore his MCL because like if you if you watch him hit the deck, his leg bends like ninety degrees away from where it's meant to bend. Oh, like, it looked fucking horrible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was one where I was like, oh, there's some elements of uh, reality here. <laughs> yeah, 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 lots of room for injuries and in a match like this. Um, yeah, and now now he's a big he's a big like acting megastar like mm. uh, like Batista. He's, he's a, I actually really like John Cena as an actor. Like he basically is two old a meathead in a action film and a meathead in a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> he's great at both of them. Um, Who's the fucking next? Oh, Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam was, was yeah. quite popular. Yeah. This was a point yeah. where he was, he, was, he was quite popular with the crowd, but the company had no interest in pushing him, so he was just a guy that did put out there to be like another big guy in, in the ring. Oh, is yeah. he the like huge seven foot yeah. guy? No, no that yeah. was number 30. The yeah, yeah. Goldberg. Okay. Um, yeah. Big hench guy looks like. Stone Cold on steroids, basically. Wait, there's more than 30? No, no. no, no, no Rob Van Damme was number 29, 30 was gold. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, okay, so there's, one, there's one we haven't mentioned, <clears throat> is that right? Is there? No, we, yeah. well, yes. well, we mentioned we... Benoit number one, and we've not really come back to him. Oh, first. I didn't know we actually... I yeah. missed and we said his Yeah, name. yeah, yeah, we did, yeah. <laughs> so, Goldberg okay. comes out number 30. At this point, they knew he was leaving after WrestleMania. They'd signed him on a one-year contract, and it hadn't really worked out, but they were... Obviously promoting this big match with Brock Lesnar for WrestleMania, so Brock. Wait come... a second, are you guys cancelling Benoit? <laughs> you just, you just, you just do one little thing and. Uh... <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> oh, we can talk oh, about oh, Benoit. Oh, Benoit. Well, we're we're tearing him down like a Confederate statue. Uh, we yeah. could give him his, his proper build up. So Goldberg, uh, like Brock Lesnar, took him out of the match. Uh, otherwise, Goldberg would probably have been the favourite to win, but this. The... Brock vs. Gold- Goldberg match was incredible because they knew Goldberg was leaving, so they were going to have Brock beat him in a good match and, and everyone wins. But then, like, the week before the, the, the WrestleMania or something, Brock's like, I'm quitting wrestling to go and play American football and live oh. my dream. So they, they were both leaving. So out of spite, they had Goldberg win because they were less angry at him. They'd had more notice. <laughs> but, like, the crowd booed the shit out of the both of them for, like, full 15 minutes or whatever just like absolutely shat on them both uh, whereas like a week before it would have been one of the hottest matches on in the other year yeah and, 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 and Goldberg just did not fire at all it's just two guys yeah. on the last day of work just came through it but my favorite detail well the two favorite details about that match really the first is that Shane McMahon Vince's son was actually in the crowd conducting the boring chant <laughs> 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 and, and the other one was that um there's a chant of uh Hogan kind of inexplicably in the match and what what had happened was this guy cosplayed as Hogan to come yeah. to the show and then this guy like who cosplayed as Macho Man had like found him in the crowd yes. and they were like having a mock like stare down and cut <laughs> with each other and the crowd were more into it than the actual match in the ring <laughs> so yeah they were down to then the, the end of the match with the last few guys in the ring and it comes down to Benoit versus Big Show 
and they're making a big deal about Benoit at the point at this point because he's been in from number one. But how can he eliminate the big show? And he, he, he eventually sort of does with with the leverage. Uh, and this is probably one of the biggest disconnects, this and the WrestleMania that followed it, between like one of the moments that was the most enjoyable to watch at the time. Because <laughs> like really anyone that was like into wrestling at the time. Like Benoit was probably one of their favourites. You know, he was one of the best wrestlers in the world. And then versus like what it means now when you watch it back, you're like, yeah. So what year did he murder his family in? Two thousand seven. Yeah. 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 So it was about three and okay. years after this. Yeah, we still got three years of enjoyment left. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> what What happened? More like eighteen months, two years after this was was Eddie Guerrero died suddenly, and Eddie Guerrero was like one of Chris Benoit's best mates in the world and by most reports like that completely fucked him up like yeah. oh, okay. and, and he was already fucked up yeah. before that yeah he, he had, he, his head was battered like they, they, they did break yeah because because his finishing his finishing move was a diving headbutt way a diving headbutt off the top rope yeah. <laughs> on his head and he'd see that every week yeah he would basically like massively concuss himself to do a little bit of damage to his opponent. Like, it didn't even yeah, really we, he basically finishes off the other guy by making him fall on his head, doesn't he? Like, he yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's a really cool finish actually because like yeah, yeah like like uh, um, uh, Grant said, there's there's actually this is the only time they've actually had Big Show threaten to win the Royal Rumble. Usually, just everyone yeah. fucks him out, and it's just like yeah. one guy versus the Big Show, and like can Benoit like get this enormous yeah. fucker out all by himself at this point they'd already had the spot where like five big guys try and get the big show out and he'd just thrown them all off like he was fucking yeah. Darth Vader or something using the force <laughs> uh, so yeah it was very much like this problem we've been building up for a month Benoit's been thinking about it and he's figured it out it was quite good but yeah uh, <laughs> something went horribly right like, probably by this point already he had like the brain of a, of a, of a pensioner with Alzheimer's uh, yeah, like it, the parts that were were for wrestling obviously still worked, but you know it, it is it is a shame that like because like person winning the Royal Rumble from number one mm-hmm. is like it's such you, you can't do that too often you know yeah. otherwise it just seems yeah unlikely because you know, they did do it too often <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes yes yeah. indeed but like the fact that like this was obviously it is by no means the biggest tragedy about the thing but the fact is like yeah this is like I, I think this is actually one of the best Royal Rumbles <laughs> like and yeah they just can't fucking show anymore because like this horrible man did uh, did what he did because yeah. when whenever they like they always do some like stats before each Royal Rumble each year and they always say only two men have won the Royal Rumble from number one including the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels <laughs> <laughs> who's the other one lads who's the other one <laughs> yeah uh... yeah it was like um, the year after Benoit did the thing uh, they had a Royal Rumble with Rey Mysterio as number two but we had him go just over Chris Benoit's uh, yes. one hour one minute <laughs> they had, so yeah, they could like have him as the longest so that was one <laughs> Well, the lengths they went to to erase this man from history because like you can watch these matches on the network but like you i, I don't think you can search for him and yeah. also his name never comes up on any of the timestamps so if he was wrestling chris jericho say the the timestamp thing you can cut to it says chris jericho in singles action so yeah. whenever you say like xing singles action like what well, the wrestling benoit then so, yeah. Uh, yeah. okay they, they don't yeah they don't promote him at all but they and for a while they they just footage of him wouldn't be available um, but when they launched the WWE Network they're like 
we, we would have to cut so much out of so many shows. We're just going to put it on and, and not draw attention to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that probably is the right way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They've done the right thing there eventually. Um, but like, this is a weird thing. Cause obviously there was one pay-per-view between this and WrestleMania, uh, by winning the rumble, Benoit got the title match at WrestleMania. Eddie Guerrero won the title in February, and then the other title was won by Benoit uh, in the main event of WrestleMania against both Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels. And there was what at the time, it was a great moment at the end of that show where Benoit was celebrating in the ring, finally winning the title after all these years, and his best friend Eddie Guerrero comes out with his belt also being champion. And they're just in the ring with all this ticker tape coming down, like best moment of their wrestling careers. And like two or three years later, they're both dead, and one of them's like dead in a way that's both completely disgraced his legacy and made that clip unshowable never again, really. Yeah, Jesus, like fuck. Imagine like if you knew those two guys well, like yeah. that would really fuck you up. Well, like, a lot, a lot one of the wrestlers the obviously did. You know, when both of them died, they had a, a tribute raw for each of them. Um, you know, the the next raw was like a three hour tribute to Eddie Guerrero and then a, a three hour tribute to to Benoit. Which, which I've heard about. The latter one was yeah. horrible because it was like literally while that was airing that they started to get the word like, hey, it looks like you may well have done this. And you had uh, like, I think it was just uh, just William Regal really giving a promo the way you're like, hang on, this guy was his close friend. Well, and, and well, well do, do you know, do you know why? That. Do you know why, like, Regal is, when he just says he was the best, and that's all I'm going to say, so he only talks about his yeah. wrestling ability. Um, so do you know why he actually did that? Like, how he's sufficient to be around? Because, like, Bradshaw just came up to him right before he was about to do to do this uh, bit and just said, so do you think he did it? <laughs> <laughs> most most, tat- most tactful Bradshaw of the well. all time. <laughs> but Bradshaw yeah. didn't give a shit. Like, all the commentary yeah. for the rest of it, like, Bradshaw is just perfectly normal. So he, <laughs> he probably thinks, yeah, but he might have done it, but I'm still just going to do my normal job. I've still got Vince and- yelling in my headset. <laughs> I, I think I think it's re- really indicative of the fact that like and again like you know no no um, ethical consumption under capitalism and all that jazz and the fact like but yeah, even so even by the standards of cultural products wrestling like really makes you feel like morally suspect yeah. for enjoying it considering like yeah all the fucked up stuff we've talked about in this episode literally the 2004 Royal Rumble has been a jumping off point for like so many absolutely heinous things yeah. that have happened in the WWE but like the wrestling business is, is fucked up pretty much all the way down from the big leagues right to the like the indies it just, yeah. it, it's, it's you, you have to obviously had a, a big scandal a couple of years big ago where scandal, yeah. big extent of like wrestlers with trainees mostly young women trainees just being creepy as hell with them and it just, just like endemic it wasn't just one or two bad actors it was uh, a couple of fistfuls of them yeah, and like that—that's the thing. I think you do have to be a little bit fucked up to actually want to do this in in most cases. And you know, it—I think it's an environment that does breed. If you're not the these... bullshit over the years and the sort of um, yeah, the constant need to self-promote and be a kind of selfish entity within or without a company, like it drives a lot of this shit. You know, it fucks people up who aren't fucked up already and lets people who are fucked up already thrive and get worse. 
It's a fucking cheery note to end on, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jack, it, for you, Jack, it's just like the rock and roll business. Everyone's well, an once. Yeah, yeah. I've had this with like many, many of my. Um, in, oh, I wouldn't say my heroes. Many, especially not in their personal actions. <laughs> many people I like. You know, such as um, you know, people I listen to a lot, like like Gary Glitter, <laughs> anal cunts, <laughs> anal cunts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who would have known from their lyrics that, that uh, anal cunt would be problematic people? <laughs> well, I don't really listen to the lyrics. You know, it's all about the titles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you mainly don't listen to the lyrics because you fucking can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, but, uh, uh, and you know, the titles. The only reason I didn't realise that there was anything dodgy about them is that I'm uh, illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yes, we've been going a long time. I kind of want to. I kind of want to burn one. Yeah, I was trying to hurry everyone on uh, once we were approaching the three-hour mark. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that's fair enough. Should we do yeah. like just sign-offs and all that shit? And yes. Then... yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a, a pleasure. It was a good show, and we've been really fun. Yeah, yeah. Our, our recording is as long as the show itself now. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Time to get out. We'd, um, yep. If we, um, if, if you want to, uh, if you want to get your, your your plugs in now as well. Yeah, mm. ab- absolutely. I'll try and be as brief as possible. So you can. Follow me on Twitter at Puro Podcast. I am the uh, co-host of a podcast called the Puro Puri Podcast, which is, considering we've been talking about WWE, this is not my usual wheelhouse. It's a historical podcast about pro wrestling in Japan. Um, we, we look at it from a, a broadly leftist perspective. At the moment, we are in the middle of a run about wrestler, like amateur wrestlers from the former Soviet Union who ended up turning pro in Japan, and we're using that to tell the story of the breakup of the USSR and the transition to wow. the decayed fascist state of the russian federation and all that and all that stuff um so do, yeah do check that out it's uh, quite a we've got quite a variety of different topics um you can read my writing at two websites i maintain the double foot stomp is silly.com very wieldy url there and also uh recently marshmallowbomb.substack.com that is uh, it's some paid content but it is good i assure you i've recently done a long read on the correlation between uh, the length of a pro wrestling match and how good it is, and whether it's kind of a, a you know a, a misnomer that they, the two are related. Um, you can listen to the, our podcast on uh, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Oh, buy my book. I wrote a um, a novel about professional wrestling called The Rise and Fall of Ricky Dozan. It's set in Japan in the 1950s and 60s, and it's sort of telling the story of the reconstruction and the forging of post-war Japanese national identity through pro wrestling as a cultural product. Um, follow me on Twitch. Yeah, follow me on Twitch as well. Twitch.tv forward slash Lord Tenpai, L-O-R-D-T-E-N-P-A-I. I am a uh, competitive Mahjong player. I've uh, represented Great Britain at it. And uh, most Thursdays at 8pm, I stream Mahjong and... So if you're curious about this, uh, the game, if you've played like, you know, Yakuza or Final Fantasy 14 or any of those games, you want to know what it's about. I go through my strategies. We have a, just a chill and a good time playing the game. I spend a lot of time like ragging on various melts. Um, so <laughs> a lot, it's been a lot of Keith uh, slander on Excellent. the stream. Uh, and uh, I think that is more pretty much everything worth uh, taking note of that I'm involved in. So, yeah, that's me. Wow. I and I thought that Mahjong was just something that FFF made up to confuse me. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, that was wrestling. <laughs> that his, his... We staged this entire pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> your your, your Putin Serkov-style yeah. psychological warfare techniques. Yeah, Nothing is real. We've got FFF to do all the accents and double the promos in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, guys, we should uh, we should call it. Yes. I think. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. I will stop my recording and I will convert it to uh, WAV or MP3 or whatever and I will um, send it to you via Dropbox if just someone lets me have the email address. Awesome. Um, yeah, send, send it across. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, put my email address in the chat right now, actually. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast, uh, by the way. I'm a sort of uh, big fan of, of real politics and I've been for a while. So it's it's genuinely been quite an honour to chat wrestling with you guys and just to, just to shoot the shit. Oh, man, it's been really fun. I hope yeah. it was like everything you'd imagined finally <laughs> becoming part of a conversation yeah Especially everything i've imagined and three hours long yes yeah. yeah, I, I, <laughs> I keep talking about you two yeah. <laughs> considering my own podcast being like disorganized and three yeah. hours long i, I felt yeah. uh, right at home considering a, a large part of our christmas special was my, one of my co-hosts talking about how he got really drunk on the day of the queen's funeral and then just ended up texting a load of members of former members of the provisional ira that he knows just go (laughs) 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 time to get the gang back together boys (laughs) (laughs) all right guys um yeah chuck that uh just making sure yeah cool chuck that shit across and yeah we'll be good yeah listen guys listeners have a think about what what we should make jack watch next yeah (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, this was quite fun, all in all. So I'm, I'm, I don't yeah. regret what spending three hours watching this good stuff. Man, yeah. another three hours talking about it. Yeah. I, I okay. Now I do regret this. Going to think no. <laughs> <laughs> Heroes of wrestling next, I think. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> oh well, on that bombshell, um, let's call it. See you guys later. Okay. Yeah, no worries. Cheers, Bye. everyone. Bye. 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 Peace. Bye. I'm handsome, I'm brave, I'm strong. Fight them out!